Welcome to RBP episode number 143. And I am with a true icon of the bodybuilding world, Lee Priest. How are you, sir? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good, man. It's nice to have you on the uh on the podcast. I've been doing it for a while Thank and you. you are uh you are a true legend of the sport, so it's nice to have you on and uh get your perspective on things. I got my boyfriend's photo here, so he's with me in spirit. <laughs> you you and you and James have developed quite a uh quite a bromance on uh on the circles. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the circles are the Telegram app on uh on uh I don't know if it's on Apple and fucking Android or whatever, but anyway, it's an app. It's called Telegram. And uh me Lee, well, it's Evan. Evan's thing. It's it's called Centipony mm-hmm. Circles. Me, Lee, Evan, Frank, Antoine, James, Flex, Lewis, Juji, Juji. Chris Tuttle, Jose Raymond, Jose, Jose Raymond. Yeah, we're all on, and we uh, it's basically like one big group chat. So if you want to get on there, get on there. We have a lot of fun on there. Me and Lee have <laughs> had a. Uh, I was actually going to start learn to- nothing. I will. You'll learn absolutely nothing on there, but it's, it's just us eating garbage food and talking shit. I was actually going to start the video by eating a sandwich, just to, just to bother I was, you. I was almost going to go get a box of Krispy Kreme donuts, but the 7-Eleven <laughs> was down too far down the road. <laughs> so, Lee, what is, your, what is your hatred for sandwiches? Can we start there? Oh, here we go. No, well, we're, not, we're not going to cover sandwiches. Uh, uh, no, because, because you go through the Webster's Dictionary and this dictionary, then you're quoting Justice High Court's fucking what they determined a sandwich can be just as so someone can open up a fucking shop next to somebody else. is not does not make it a sandwich because, you know, no, like but I said. Before, <laughs> but before we, before we determined what was a sandwich, you actually just had a, you actually just were despising sandwiches in general. But uh, that's not really a great food. It's just like, well, you know, when you're young, you'd go to school, you'd have a sandwich packed and stuff like that. To me, out of all the foods in the world, a sandwich just doesn't get me hard. It's like you look at a sandwich, it's just bread with shit thrown in the middle. It's like something you have when you're lazy. It's like the last thing you go to, oh, I'll have a sandwich or this or that, yeah, or but- maybe a bit of toast. Like I said, out of all the choices of food, now we're not going to class hamburgers as sandwiches. That's a totally different thing. A hamburger is a hamburger. So <laughs> okay, but wait, that. you wait, don't wait. go into McDonald's and go, "Can I have a sandwich?" <laughs> Just wait a minute. <laughs> as bodybuilders, though, we don't eat a lot of. Most bodybuilders don't eat a lot of bread and shit. So uh-huh. a sandwich is almost like kind of a treat for a bodybuilder. I think that's what it is for me anyway. It's almost like a comfort food. No, you don't. Doesn't no doesn't because count. even even dieting, I'd still eat bread because I always figured. When I was dieting, it's not the bread, it's the fattening part, it's the shit you put in between the bread. So even dieting, if I was having eggs a couple of times a day, I'd always have two pieces of toast with my eggs. So I could have six to eight slices of bread a day, even when I was dieting, because I'd go to the lower calorie bread, of course, but you know, I'd I'd still eat it. Yeah, I always figured it was the stuff. You know, you get a sandwich and then you layer the butter on this thick and then you put the mayonnaise and then you put all the (laughs) <laughs> shitty meats in between so it's really not the bread that's the culprit it's what you put in between the bread <laughs> so you're not so you never think to yourself you know what i'll have a nice turkey sandwich like deli meat turkey or roast turkey you don't just you're just not about it no because generally if i'm sort of hungry and my wife sometimes she goes i'm hungry she goes i'll get you something 
and what she come out of the kitchen with? A peanut butter sandwich. And I'm like, oh, lazy <laughs> bitch, didn't want to make me a decent fucking meal. <laughs> well, <laughs> so if you look- sandwich is something to do yeah. when you're lazy. If you put it that way, yeah. All right. So the second part of our debate was fork. Well, no. The second part. Well, <laughs> the second part of our debate was: is a hot dog a sandwich, and in turn, is a hamburger a sandwich, and in turn, is a sub a sandwich? No. But but by definition, they're all. Yeah, sandwiches. by definition, yeah, yeah, by definition, yeah. But you know, there's a lot of people on Instagram by definition who think they're bodybuilders, but it's just not the case. <laughs> I see titles up, such and such pro bodybuilder. I'm like, mm, pro darts player. Yeah. But it's like, now, they just put that in there by definition. But you know, as James says, the Earl of Sandwich from back in England, mm. just two bits of bread, even. I think by definition they tried to say even one piece of bread with stuff on it was a sandwich. So yeah, they did. No, it's bread right. enough in us. So going to your diet, actually, you know what I want to cover before we get into that? No, no, before we get into no that. Um, <laughs> no, before we get into that, there's something I learned about you through being on the circles. I'm a fucking idiot. Well, no, you're very. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you don't stress the small stuff ever. You no. don't seem you don't seem to stress the small stuff. You don't stress, you know, people talking about you, or you don't stress telling stories that most people wouldn't want other people to hear. <laughs> it just, I just, I guess, it's something a lot of people would be envious of because most people are, especially now with social media, are very careful what they say or are worried about people saying things about them or thinking things about them, and you just don't give a shit. Well, uh, I think I've always been that way from a young age when. I think when I was young, I lied to my mother and got the biggest flogging ever, you know, of the jug cord and everything else. So from day one, my mother always said, you always tell the truth, always tell the truth. So I've always done that. And to the point where, you know, I do interviews in magazines and I'd have my mother call me up from Australia when I was in America or my wife I was with at the time would be like, maybe you don't need to be that truthful. I'm like, well, they asked the question and. Yeah. And I've always joked around a lot to it, and that, that's what disturbed me because I remember once when you said you first met me, and I was an asshole because Robert yeah. Kennedy said he's the next coming thing, and I went, nah. and "Yeah." Thinking, now that would have that would have just been me joking around. I'm thinking, "Fuck, he took it the wrong way." Did he actually thought I was saying? Ah. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm surprised you did. So, do you actually remember that moment or not? Yeah, I remember because I'm always joking around. I remember, I think that's when Robert had his nice purple jacket on, and he. Brought yeah. you over to me. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, this is so hard. And I was just joking around, going, oh, "What did I say? Like, I'll believe it when I see it, or something." I just went something oh, like yeah. that. But do you remember? But I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why something like that would disturb me. It's not because. <laughs> it's because you're fucking Lee Priest, and uh, I think the part see, is that I, you don't you don't look at yourself like you're Lee Priest, right? But <laughs> but to a young guy coming up. You're Lee Priest. So if you, if it's like, I don't know who your idols were coming up, but if your idol came up to you and you were just starting and you, he was like, Psh, whatever, <laughs> it had to be like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> so, see, I see. I, I either could have made you or broken you. You could have said, I'll show you, you little short fucking dwarf. I'll yeah, fucking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, Um. but no. So that, that comes from a young age. Now, what about, so you tell the truth from a young age, but what about, not caring what people think because you don't seem to ever give a shit. Uh, and um, my wife like that because she comes home from work sometimes because she's in customer service and that. And she comes home, she's like, I'm so envious of you because not everyone can be like you. People at work have to be a certain way. We have to talk to 
things. Because I've been in, in like she manages like a tobacco store, you know, sells cigarettes and all that. I say she's a deaf dealer. So it's like, you know, when, when I'm in there, she has customers there and I'm just standing there biting my lips sometimes the way the customers yeah. talk to her. I said, yeah. I could never fucking do this job. I'm like, I'd be no yeah. good at public, you know, in, a, in a, that, that type of setting because I just, it's not that I don't like, I think it's like even when I was with the IFB and Wayne, when we'd have arguments, to me, it's like I said, I don't see myself as Lee Priest. I see myself as a guy that goes to the gym. I'm no better than any, anybody else. So I see everybody pretty much as equal. Yeah. So when I get people that like try and talk down to people, or try and, you know, put themselves, I got more money than you or I'm someone up here famous. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? No one's better. Like I said, you know, I was a good bodybuilder, but there's a lot of people out there who are better than me at doing plumbing or fucking doing whatever. So to me, everyone's equal. I just don't never like that attitude where people think, you know, it's like in the gym back in the day when Flex used to be that real cocky type guy and yeah. push people off machines and stuff. To me, it's like, who the fuck do you think he is? It's like, you know, yeah, you get ready for the Olympia, but if a woman wants to lose 20 pounds, that's just as important to her as you getting ready for the Olympia. You've got no right to the machine more than her. So I just, from a young age, I never liked that when people just had that sort of, st not stand over, but you know, just try and be little and talk down. So that's why Wayne and I would clash because, you know, he would always talk to us bodybuilders like shit half the time and just yeah. do whatever. So And the Wayne, the Wayne just for the people watching, because a lot of people that watch the podcast aren't necessarily hardcore bodybuilding fans. So the Wayne you're talking about is Wayne D'Amelia, mm -hmm. who was the, yeah. what was his title? He was like a president? I, think or... he pretty, he pretty, yeah, I don't know if he was the president, but he pretty much ran the pro division. So yeah. I think back then, I think um, Joe and Ben were like vet president of the IFBB in that back then. And Jim Manuel was pretty much just running the NPC back then. So Wayne was pretty much the head of the IFBB. pro division side of it all, yeah. yeah. So, but you also, like this attitude also goes through to your diet because you've talked about on the circles, you've talked about what it was like when it was when you were dieting and stuff. And you've talked mm -hmm. about how you never had a coach and you kind of just went by the way you looked. And if you felt hungry, you ate more mm -hmm. carbs. And if you didn't, you ate less carbs and this is like, it's a really kind of nonchalant attitude that you don't see nowadays. Yeah, but, well, you, I just, but you reach well, the I very top doing it. So it's like, it's, I mean. Yeah, and I sometimes wonder I maybe could have been better because I was so nonchalant. Well, everyone's seen my off-season pictures where I used to just eat whatever, but yeah. off-season is where I was so, because you know when you get ready for a show, you're so regimented, eat this meal at this time, eat, train at this time. So off-season, I'm just like, fuck it, I'm just going to, do whatever sometimes I only eat twice a day sometimes once a day and then just yeah. maybe drink shakes or something so off season if i had to be more regimented off season i probably could have been a bit better but i never got into the sport i remember i think you said on one of your shows that you wanted to look like he-man and that's what i did i saw a he-man cartoon yeah. and went i just want to look like that so at the age of 12 i started training and then by 13 i had a little bit of muscle so i was like there's this schoolboys division under 18 you should compete in it and i'm like I don't know. So I went and did it and won it. So then I just sort of started competing. But even from that point on, I never once said I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. I wanted to get into bodybuilding. I just love the training side of it. And, yeah. you know, as you do get into it and you turn professional, then you have to compete, you know, for your sponsors and stuff like that. But the competing side, I hated with a passion. I love going to expos and meeting the fans and hanging out and that sort of thing. But actually getting on stage doing that, hated it. it what like, did hated you hate? But your posing routines had flair and you looked like you had fun on stage. Like, here, I'll let me just, I'm going to show people this all, just so. It's all, all fake, all just fake smiling. That was more. <laughs> <laughs> For those people who don't know Lee Priest, if you live under a rock 
His Instagram is Lee Priest Official seventy two. Yeah, um, I had to start again because they deleted my old account. So this is you on stage with Chris, but I mean, you look like you're having fun, and I, it's like this. Yeah. Is, how old are you? How old are you here? Uh, I would have been in my mid twenties. Jesus, ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, about 26, 27. When did you turn? They said they said I already done. I think they said on there that I'd done like two Olympias already. So my first Olympia was ninety seven. Even though I qualified for my first Olympia when I was like 21, 22, but I got suspended. Yeah. What That's did when you I was engaged to Adela Garcia? There, Adela's the one opening the door. People are like, "Why'd you kiss her?" I'm like, "Because I was engaged to her." <laughs> what? Uh... When did you when did you turn pro, Lee? Uh, no, just when I turned twenty. You turned twenty, but you were eligible. To, you weren't eligible, but you could have turned pro. Sooner, well, I, well, yeah, because you know, if you win your national title, you meant to get a pro card. And I first won my Mister Australia when I was seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. I won the overall Mister Australia as a lightweight, and you know, people say oh, you must have been big. It's like no, because I'm shorter with the proportions and being in condition. I just sort of, you know, guys in Australia were sort of, some might have had bigger upper bodies, skinny legs and that sort of type, you know, because Australia didn't have the bodybuilding crowd or as many people in it like America and all the other countries do. Yeah. So I was lucky. But they said I was too young to turn professional. So I won again when I was 18. They still said I was too young. At 19, they still said I was too young. And why? What was the reason? When, what was the reasoning, though? Like, did they have a reason why? Well, they like- said I was too young. <laughs> that was it. So, yeah. so Paul Graham, he wouldn't let me turn pro. Then um, Lou Zuick from ESPN started contacting me. And if anyone knows Lou Zuick, he always calls you at weird hours of the morning and would ask you how big your biceps are and stuff like that at 2 a.m. It's like weird, but okay. So he <laughs> <laughs> not saying anything. But he he uh, <laughs> took me over, ended up taking me over to do the Niagara Falls amateur show in 92, 93. And, um, so yeah, I went to do that, but when I was at the gym, Jim Mannion was there and that, and there was talk around that I was in the gym and stuff like that, and he'd asked me what I'd done and what I'd won and what I was there for. I said, I'm doing Niagara Falls Amateur. He's like, well, why don't you have your pro card? You've won your national title. I said, well, they wouldn't give it to me. So he contacted Wayne, and Wayne contacted Paul Graham, and they gave me my pro card. So I went and did the Niagara Falls Pro, which was weird because I'm thinking, shit, now I'm a pro. I just remember the whole time I'm on stage, standing there going, fuck, there's David Durf and there's this. It's like, you know, the magazines had come to life. I'm thinking, yeah. fuck, I'm standing on stage with all these people. I think Milos was in it, but I'd already met Milos. I met Milos in 89 when I was 17 at the Mr. Universe in Arizona. Yeah. I got so, second in my division. So you didn't actually have to compete again. It was just meeting, like, the phone calls were it. Like, after 18. Yeah. So you, you, won, 19, you, yeah. you won your 18. Did you win again in 19 or no? Yeah. And then 20, after you turned 19, that's when you met Wayne. Yeah, that's when I came to America just before. Yeah, I just came here and I think it was May. So I just turned 20. Were you coming here just for the show or were you coming here yeah. to stay? Yeah, I just packed, I packed my bag for two weeks to come do the Niagara Falls show. Irvin Girl did a photo shoot with me. And that's when Jim noticed me and stuff. And Ed Connors saw me from his window looking down and took some photos and (laughs) sent them the weeder. Yeah. So my two weeks turned into 18 years. I never went home. (laughs) You never went home after that? No, because I applied for my green card. Yeah. And when you apply for your green card, you can't leave. And for some reason, 
it took seven years to get my green card through the athlete of extraordinary ability type, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first time they knocked me back and they said the last thing was on their thing, unless you're in the league of Arnold Schwarzenegger, we cannot, you know, grant you this thing. So being at World Gym, I showed that to Arnold. Arnold's right, I'll just write something and I'll sign it. So I wrote up this big thing where it says, if Lee was around in my day, he would have beat me. <laughs> <laughs> Did Arnold sign it? I handed it? it to Arnold and he read it. He's like, <laughs> and he just signed it. <laughs> so when That's I sent it back into him again, I finally got my green card here, yeah, but I just had all this, I had to get, go through it all again. So here I couldn't leave. The first time I went home was in 2005 when I won the Australian Pro Show. I think no, I might have went home quickly. How long was, was that, that after you? How long was that between when you got to USA and then went back? I came to the USA in 93. No, no, no. I mean, you stayed here for how long before you went back to Australia? Uh, pretty much 2005, from 93 to 2005. Oh, shit. So, and which was, you know, that's why my mum used to say to me, she's like, you know, because we're always a close family. I lived with my grandparents. Like my grandfather's, you know, the one that sort of got me into it. And then when I came to America, I knew nobody. So I'm by myself. Mm. My mum would always call me up and go, oh, you're not the caring boy anymore you're very cold because I, I deliberately did that because coming from such a close family where I saw him every day living with him and stuff to now I'm by myself I hated knowing that they were having Christmas together and all this sort of yeah. stuff so I just sort of cut it out type of thing and I said oh, it was one of my biggest regrets when my grandparents would call up and want to talk to me I'm like, I don't want to talk to them. I put somebody else on the phone really and then like I said when they passed away I'm like fuck if I could only pick up that phone now and talk to them because I just yeah. I, just, I just didn't want to know what was happening back home because I couldn't leave and go home. And yeah. at the time, I was making okay money, but not enough. You know, I came from a family where stepfather was a coal miner and stuff, so traveling was expensive, so I couldn't bring the family to America. So I was just sort of isolated myself that way, so I became sort of cold. So well, that could be where I got the I don't give a fuck attitude as well. Yeah. So. What was that phone call like when you're like and, – and how does that happen? So Irvin Gelb takes some photos – Jim Manning gets mm-hmm. to know you. Um, Ed Connors takes some photos. The weeders get to know you. How does that all pan out? Do you go to the weeder offices and they're like, we're signing yeah. you? Like, walk me through, like, you're you're not, you're not 20 years old, so this is probably all crazy to you. Yeah, because like I said, I never came to be a pro. I was just coming to do a show and go home. So I never saw myself as a pro. You know where some people go, I want to be a pro. I want to be Mr. Olympia and all that. I never yeah. had that, even when I was competing you know, I, I get those trolls online. Who the fuck you think you are? How many Olympias you won? None. I'm like, yeah, but I was I was realistic. I knew I'd never win the Olympia because yeah. all my videos with Mitsuru, I'm always joking around saying, be quiet, I'm training for eighth place and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's right. I, I remember that. To me, to me, to me back in the day, because back then, if you got top 10, that qualified you for next year's Olympia. Yeah. So if I got 10th place, I'm like, I'm qualified. So anything above 10th, you know, when I got, well, my first Olympia, I got fifth, and then after the show, they changed that when they did that big change, the placings around where I got moved to sixth, Delek got moved to fourth, no fifth, and Kevin got moved from sixth to fourth. What they happened? Changed it up. Wait, so we'll, we'll come back. I want to know what happened to that first before we go into the weeder conversation. What happened? How did the how did they just change a bunch of placings around? I don't know because we're at the show and we did it, and they're like, you know. If, Sixth place, Kevin Leverone, and he had this look on his face. And then fifth, first, fifth place, Lee Priest. I'm like, cool, yeah, my first Olympia, fifth place, and Paul yeah. Dillette and that. So the show's over. And that actually, my mum came over for that one in '97. So that's when I first see my mum for the first time in since I left home. 
And then we, I'm just went to the hotel, changed. I'm hopping on the bus because they had the banquet at the Queen Mary. And as I'm getting on the bus, people are like, Lee, sorry about your placing. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, I got fifth place in my first Olympia. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Oh, you didn't hear. I said, hey, what? Oh, they moved you down to six and moved Kevin, I mean, moved Paul from fourth to fifth and Kevin from sixth to fourth. They changed it after the placing. So when wow. I got to the banquet, I went up to Dillette and said, Hey, Paul, did you hear they changed our placings? You got moved from fourth to fifth. And in that exchange, I think he lost 20,000. Next oh thing I see, Paul, Paul goes for fucking Wayne like a pit bull. He's got Wayne against the wall by the neck. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> He's like, what the fuck happened? They're like, oh, we messed up with the numbers or something. Yeah, so oh, that's, how they, that's how they said they changed it. But I still had the... I don't have it here, but I gave it to a friend. I still had the certificate that said fifth place, and we got this crystal fucking shitty fruit bowl that had fifth place on it. The only thing I didn't get was the check. <laughs> shitty <laughs> fruit bowl. <laughs> like, what the fuck am I going to do with that? Fucking crystal fruit bowl. Yeah. Fifth place, Mr. Olympia on it. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's go back. So as a 20 year old, mm-hmm. how, walk me through how it works. You go for a photo shoot. Yep. Do, do you... And then as I did the photo shoot, they took me into a back room because Ed had this like just a black back room in the back of the gym where he took some Polaroids as well and sent them to Joe. And we've only been a couple of days later that Joe got back to Ed and said, yeah, I'd like to have a meeting. So Ed Connors and I met Joe Weeder at a Woodland Hills restaurant where we just sat down and talked and that, and he was impressed. So he signed me to a contract, but at the time it was only, I think it was $2,000 a month. So I was like, Ooh, but back then, when rent was a lot yeah. cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, wow, I'm getting money just to do this now. So yeah. you know, I paid my rent and stuff. So it was good that I could stay there and do that. Plus, I had a few appearances and stuff like that. I did get mad at Irvin Gelb, though, because, you know, the money was enough to get by. And Irvin Gelb shot every body part. Then he came and told me how Robert Kennedy was so happy. He brought every photo and he's going to put you on the cover. And he's like, tell me all this money you made. And I'm like, well, fuck, I didn't get shit. I said, you, you didn't even buy me lunch. Yeah. yeah. But back then, too, it was like, that's what you had to do to get the publicity because I wasn't known. So it wasn't yeah. until later on that when I was with Blackman at MD when they wanted me to do photo shoots, I finally said, no, if you want me to do a photo shoot, I want to get paid for it. And then he started paying the athletes a $1,000 a photo shoot because I was thinking, well, it's not fair. Once you've established and you've got a big fan basis back then, if you're in a magazine or on a magazine, the writer's getting paid, photographer gets paid, yeah. Your fans are buying the magazine, so the athlete who's doing all the hard work should get something. But, you know, they say, well, it's publicity. I said, yeah, but, you know, when my electricity bill comes in, I can't send them the magazine and go, there you go. What that cover the bill? <laughs> I can't pay in popularity, yeah. <laughs> um, so did you know who Joe Weider was? Like when you sat down, did you know how important yeah. the meeting was? Yeah, well, I knew who he was because even when I was in Australia, when I was 17, I was sponsored by um, Victory Supplements. Well, in Australia, it's called Neutralife. They're like a company that sold weeder products and stuff. But the Victory side of it, I think back in the day, Labrador was sponsored by the Victory Range, where he's inside that golden V. Mm-hmm. So at 17, I was sort of sponsored by the weeder products. But back then, it was very basic. That's when they had like that Mega Mass 8000, yeah. where it was like drinking wallpaper paste. That was just like, yeah. and then. I think you were talking about beef protein once. We'd have had this beef protein way before the Kai oh, before Green one came else. out. With, yeah. Um, this was like, oh, you'd blend it 
and it was this dark red, and it just tasted like liver. I mean, it was the most oh, putrid, sounds putrid tasting thing ever. It's like a yeah, it's like a dark purple red. I just remember yeah. trying to drink it down. I just tossed it out. Yeah, but that was only very basic with the victory range. So I knew who Weeda was because I get all the magazines and stuff. So I knew who he was there. So yeah, go on the meeting. But then after that, I'd regularly go up to the offices and just hang out and chat to him and he'd want to measure my arms and he'd just chat about anything. So he's a funny old guy and one of the funniest photo shoots ever was because he'd come to the photo shoot sometimes and yeah. whoever he was with, you know, photographer sees it a certain way, Joe wants it his way and the arguments that would go on between Joe and the photographers. Yeah. And I was telling Dave the other day that there's that muscle and fitness cover I'm on with two blonde girls, my hair's all slicked back and, I mean, like, you talk about Kelly Bundy. These girls were Kelly Bundy times fucking 10. It's a good thing they had their looks because (laughs) fucking upstairs they were, woof. Yeah, but there was a – I was just doing the photos and then Joe comes up with this idea. Leo Lee, when you sit there and put your arms out like that, that's a great shot. So what do you want me to do? I sit on the end of a bench. I had to sit on the very end of a bench doing the crucifix pose, no shirt on, flexing my abs, covered in oil. And then the girl sitting on the back of my neck, so her like the pussy's like suction cup to the back of my neck. That's all I can feel <laughs> is this mound. And she's doing it, she's doing the splits across my arms, and I'm trying to hold her because we're both covered in oil. Yeah. And Joe's yelling, sit up straight, flex your abs, hold her, and she's sliding back and forth. <laughs> and then he, Robert Reese arguing with him, and they ended up just using the cover of us, me standing there with two girls. But the Joe at photo shoots was very, very entertaining. That's fucking <laughs> hilarious. So we kind of have like a lot of the guys nowadays maybe don't realize it, but we kind of have you guys, well, maybe you more than anybody else to thank for kind of the way things are. Because when I turned pro, I got a, uh, I got a flex magazine contract or I got a muscle mm-hmm. med contract first. Then I got a flex magazine contract. Then I got a, uh, MD contract, but all those things started with kind of started with you. It sounds like. Like magazines. Yeah, with, the MD ones, with the MD ones, I got Steve to start paying because I just got to the point where he wanted me. This is before I had a contract with him. They just wanted to do, they said, Lee, after one of the Olympics, let's shoot arms. I said, well, do I get paid for it? They're like, no. And I said, well, I don't want to do it. So Steve's yeah. like, well, how about $1,000? I'm like, okay. Then I'm like, can we do everybody part? It's like, yeah. <laughs> <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, then he started paying people. So that was good. And then finally – he gave me a contract just to be exclusively with MD, which yeah. was sort of shitty because I'd get mad then if you're in other magazines and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. at the time, because I was just shooting with them and I was doing those columns in the – had like the last word with Lee Priest and then it was just that where people ask me stupid questions and they give them stupid answers. Type yeah. That's where the sex life and all that crap came into it and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. like that. And I'd always get calls going, I don't know if we can put this out there because Ron Harris would interview me. And then he'd, he'd get phone calls saying, I don't think we could put, put that bit in the magazine. <laughs> it's like, so, but then at the time I was getting paid just from the magazine, I was getting 8,000 a month. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was okay to be exclusive with them and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah but so many times there, because you go somewhere in the contest, you've got no control over it. Photographers yeah. take photos, put your photo in, M, I mean, in Muscle of Fitness or Flex. And I'll be getting phone calls, why are you in that magazine? I'm like, well, I can't. I can't yeah, control you can't I'm, in public, I'm in a public yeah. space. So, yeah, it's not like yeah. I'm setting up a photo shoot. So, yeah, you'd always so, get in trouble every now and then with them. Were there guys getting magazine contracts before <laughs> you? Uh, I'm not sure because I know I was the very first one to get paid to actually do the photo shoots. Yeah. So, I know 
pretty much trickled down from there, I think. So I'm not sure that yeah. people had contracts before then. Maybe some might have not actually had contracts per se, but they, I think they might have been getting paid maybe yeah. a couple of hundred here or there, maybe to do an article in the magazine and stuff like that. But there was no one actually signed signed on to like a year or two type of contracts. Did you ever advocate for any of that with Steve Blackman or with anybody else at the top of the, uh, like the owners? Not of the magazine? really the contract side. I pushed, like I said, and got the ball rolling with being paid for the photo shoots. And then yeah. I think maybe from there, Steve saw the value maybe, and hey, if we just get a hold of these guys and they can't go anywhere else, yeah, people are going to buy my magazine because this will be the only place you can see Lee or Kevin or anyone doing their workouts. Or if you want to see them on the cover, you have to buy my magazine. So I did. The only thing I sort of pushed for where Sean Ray says he did, but I posted the videos not long ago, was that press conference where I stood up and gave Wayne the letter because, you know, I'd always get so mad when they'd call the Olympia the Super Bowl. I said, how can you call this the Super Bowl of bodybuilding when the guys out of the top 10 go home with not even a dollar in their pocket? It's costing them money. And these are the best in the world. I said, yeah, I got good contracts and I place in the money. That's good. But these guys who come 11th, 12th, I said, they're training just as hard as me. So they should get something. And, you know, from the year before, I knew Wayne was going to give the old puddling riding and shit. So yeah. I put it in writing and I remember Kathy didn't know because I was married to Kathy at the time. And when I stood up at the press conference, she's like, oh, fuck, he's doing it again. Here we go. So she's, thinking, she's thinking so, I'm going to affect her placings. <laughs> so wait a minute. So people don't know. A lot of people don't know the story. So and maybe I don't know the exact particulars. So I remember the press conference was late 90s, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, no, this was 2003. Oh, 2003. Yeah, because it's all right. Because right, I had already started bodybuilding. So yeah. 2003. You stand up at the athletes' meeting, and it's the day That's at the press conference. Yeah, the press yeah, the conference day yeah. before the Olympia. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What did you have in the letter? What was written in the letter? It just said, "Wayne, please pay the athletes." Or something about, "Can we pay the athletes from tenth place down at least a thousand dollars?" Similar to what the Arnold Classic was doing, because the Arnold gave competitors at least a thousand dollars. Yeah. Each and plus, you know, the good thing about the Arnold Classic was even not the thousand dollars was checking into the double tree and getting you two fucking warm cookies. That was yeah. the best part about going to the Arnold <laughs> I, re I remember that. <laughs> and I'd always be like, don't eat them, don't eat them. Yeah, I know. Eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the elevator with Dexter. Do you want yours? I'll take yours. It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So I just put that in there and he read it and then he sort of had a rough idea because I told him it was going to probably happen. And then, because I'll go back to the year before that, but at the moment with this one, he knew it was going to happen. So he spoke to Kerry Kays, who was with Dorian Yates Nutrition at the time and that. And he, he said he was going to put up a 1,000, then Wayne said he'll match it. So everybody got 2,000. Okay. And I think 20 minutes into it, Wayne and Bob come into the room and go, and Wayne, how can you have this show and, Sean, and not everyone get paid? Yeah, Sean, Sean, Sean and Bob, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean and Bob come in and Sean's like, and this is the Olympia. You got guys who place out of the top 10 going home with no money in their pocket and Wayne's like we've already addressed that Sean Lee give me a letter so I was like you're late you're too late <laughs> so they came in and jumped on it after you kind of had already set things in motion yeah yeah but then like yeah because the thing was with Wayne I remember Kathy had this look on her face like oh shit because the year before in 2002 I'd done a big article in MD talking about the politics in the sport because there was some judge is female because Wayne got are you saying men judges sleep with competitors because like some of the judges I knew because my friend was friends with some competitors 
and he dated one of the judges and she's like, I don't care how such and such looks. I'm always going to put him first and all this sort of bullshit. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, so I did a big article about it. And in 2002 at the San Francisco, because I'm always early, I turn up early, I go into the room, I'm there with Kathy. Wayne comes in with the magazine. He goes, you want to talk about this? I said, what? He goes, what you're saying in the magazine? I said, well, it's true. And he goes, yes, but you shouldn't be putting it in print. I'm like, well, you're the guy in charge. If you know it's true, why can't you make changes? If you know there's a judge sleeping with a competitor, why are they on the panel at the time? We have this big fucking argument. We're just yelling. Yeah. Suddenly the other competitors come in and just that's it. So yeah. the next day the contest is on. I said to Kathy, I'm fucked today. I'm just going to get – I don't even know why I'm going to do the show. Yeah. But luckily I ended up winning. And I was backstage just tidying up, and Wayne comes over. He's like, so how do you feel? I said, well, to be honest, I said, I'm surprised I won after the big argument we had the day before. Yeah. He's like, no, Lee, he goes, look, I'll be honest with you. He goes, I like you. He goes, I like the way you speak your mind and tell the truth and that sort of thing. He goes, but in that article, you ask, why do I do what I do? He goes, I'll tell you why. He goes, because I can suspend you and do whatever to you, and that scares the other guys. So the other 99 guys out there, who, whoever are going to do exactly what I say. So at least he was honest about it. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. So, geez. So you've been really outspoken about the IFBB kind of from early on. Yeah. And that's one thing I used to hate about Bob because Bob or whoever would say, like, I never personally attacked Jim Manion because Jim wasn't really in control. It was the I, and I never really went after an individual. I never mentioned like Wayne. I just said the organization as a whole. Yeah. the way it treated its athletes and that. Because, look, I understand promoters have to make money. The IFB has to make money. But I think it's us, the athletes, who are bringing the people in. It's us, the athletes, who are putting our lives on the line, technically killing ourselves year after year. Not killing ourselves, but, you know, the shit yeah. we go through, training, sacrifices, you're missing out on family time and doing whatever. I just think that, you know, it should be spread around more. Because I remember even I got in trouble at the Florida Pro Show once, we're backstage and there's no water. And people think, oh, Lee, why are you complaining about water? I said, well, when you're dieted down, you know, something so small is a fucking major problem. You know, to anyone else, they're like, who gives a shit? You've got no bottles of water. But when you're at that point on the edge where you're depleted, yeah. you just, a bottle of water to a bodybuilder just to sip on is a big thing. So you don't even have water back here. And then we're starting to get ready. Like, guys, you just have 20 minutes, don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, so we're all just sitting down. Next thing, the guy comes back. Wayne said, get out on stage now, blah, blah. I said, we're all like, what the fuck? So we start getting undressed, put the oil on. You don't have time for oil or pumping up, just get out there. I said, listen, I said, we're professionals. If we walk out on stage, I said, there's people with fucking cameras and shit. They're going to be taking the worst photos. He goes, but this is just for the introductions and that. You don't have to worry about it. I said, we're still on stage under the lights. We're not going to put all this hard work into it to walk out looking like that. I said, look, if you don't like it, start the show without us. He goes off and tells Wayne, Lee's being difficult. Lee's <laughs> <laughs> being difficult. <laughs> now, that goes, now that brings me to another one where another time I was at the Arnold Classic, I didn't end up competing because, again, an article in a fucking magazine yeah. comes out and the woman from the Columbus Dispatch, I think if you can look through archives, I've got to find it. I used to have a copy of it. The woman from the Columbus Dispatch was sitting behind the judges' table and they had the magazine, per se, again, and they're, oh, look what Lee said. And she's sitting right behind the judges and she can hear them talking. They're like, oh, we'll show him tomorrow. We'll get him. So she comes to meet the expo and she goes, are you Lee Priest? I said, yeah. She goes, what is it with you and the judges? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I was just at the 
you know, they had the events on the Friday, the day before the men's. I think it could have been the women's or whatever it was. Yeah. And I heard the judges talking about how you'd done an article and they're going to, you know, get you tomorrow. I'm like, really? Is that so? So <laughs> I do this big article, interview with her, do a double bicep shot. Next day, there I'm in the Columbus Dispatch. Lee Priest pulls out of Arnold Classic due to politics. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm at the expo. I figured, well, fuck, I'm not going to compete. I'll just stay at the expo. So I'm there just signing things. This official comes back. Wayne says, you better get backstage right now, blah, blah, blah. I said, you tell Wayne I'm not fucking coming. I said, why would I? The judges are going to screw me. Yeah. So he leaves, comes back and says, Wayne says, you've got such and such to get back there or this and that. I said, listen, so the woman from the Columbus Dispatch come over. I said, now, everything you heard was true. She's like, yes, yeah. she goes, I'll give a sworn affidavit about it. So I told this guy, I said, you go tell Wayne. She's going to give a sworn affidavit what she fucking heard these judges saying, how they're going to screw me. So he leaves and comes back and goes, Wayne said, okay, then don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, though, this was when I was sort of getting pretty popular, early 2000s. So all I had was photos, T-shirts, and whatever. And normally doing the Arnold, I'd sometimes get seventh and that. So you, I'd always just get that $1,000. That weekend at the Arnold, I made 14000 cash. I sold out of everything. You sold everything, but yeah. Again, I'm like... What the fuck? I said, I get on stage and die and I only get a thousand. I just stand at the expo having fun and I made 14,000 catch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But it was yeah. so funny. You know, when I told that guy, you tell Wayne, she'll give a sworn affidavit. The way he comes back goes, okay, <laughs> then Wayne said, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got, but tell me this. So I know you got, it's all very like blurry to me, but you got suspended and then you were allowed to come back and then you got banned mm-hmm. for life. Can you explain mm-hmm. that to me? Like, what? How many times did that happen? Well, well, Bob always says I threw it back in the IFBB's face and that. And Bob's like, Lee, I tried to get you back in, which he was like the to go to man. But yet, to me, like I always said, nothing against Bob, but to me, he was always the mouthpiece for the IFBB. He was more the IFBB representative. When I'm telling Bob, listen, I want to compete in the PDI because Wayne started up the PDI after he left the IFBB. I remember that. Yeah. Wait, I was just going to go back to judging more for the symmetrical look. And, you know, so I figured, well, you know, it's a bodybuilding show. It doesn't conflict with any IFBB shows. I'm an independent contractor. The IFBB is not paying me. I actually pay to be a member of the IFBB. Yeah. I figured, hell, I'll do the show. So I did the PDI show, and you can't do that. You're a member of the IFBB. And they went through the rule book. Of course, they threw the rule book at me. I said, come on. I said, when do you stick to these rules? I said, in the rule book. It says to you, you can't use anabolic steroids. I said in the rule book, there's things about, you know, pornography type stuff. I said I can pick out a few guys doing shit like that, and then it's got about convicted felons and stuff. I said if you want to go through the rule book, and they're like, well, since you're going to argue, Lee, we'll make you one year, two year suspension. I'm like, well, make it two years, so. <laughs> so the thing was, Bob would go in between, and I actually said because I did the first PDI, there was the New York Night of Champions, and then a week or two later was the night of champions in england yeah and i was on the poster for that that sold tickets and they were saying well lee bob kind of says well i spoke to jim and that and wayne they said they'll cut you two year back to one year if you don't go to england i said look i've signed the contract you know i'm going to go over there and that sort of thing i said look i'm happy to take the two years so just give me the two year suspension mm-hmm. and that went into leaf threw it back in the ifbb's face i said i wasn't i was polite i said look thank jim and that for me but I've signed on to do it. And like I said, because I didn't really like competing anyway, 
I could still train and do whatever. So it was like, so you didn't, so you didn't care that you were suspended. You were like, I can still meet all my fans. I can still go to the expos. Yeah. I can still train. I can still do all that stuff. I don't really need to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Just, so yeah. Was, just yeah, a cal- so like calculated that, decision for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't bother me. So I took the suspension for two years and then I was sponsored with VPX at the time. So John Romano and I used to have the VPX shotgun show. Mm-hmm. It was just like a thing where we'd answer questions. We'd talk about bodybuilding or life in general. And, you know, we talked about bodybuilding, the good and the bad. You know, whether a show was run good or it was run bad. It's like that time I think Dave and John mentioned the Olympia wasn't that good and they lost their press passes just for having an opinion oh. on the Olympia one year. Yeah. So, you know, of course, we speak about the different politics. I was due to go to, um, I think it was Sweden or somewhere to do a just an appearance and a seminar and that. And all of a sudden, the promoter, this was only like a month before, says, oh, Lee, I can't bring it. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I'll still pay you, but you can't come because I just got a letter from the IFBB saying that if I bring you over, I'm going to lose my IFBB, whatever it is, sanction, because you're a banned athlete for life. I'm like, I'm banned for life. That's how I found out I was banned for life, oh. just because of stuff that I did on the – and then it just trickled down from there, even in – 2013 this was like how many years later now that i've been banned for life i went to england and the head of the ifbb over there or the uk bff whatever it was was calling up gyms telling people that they couldn't come to my seminars simon fan that put on the pro show over there yeah. they threatened him and he's like you know screw you i'm heavenly at my gym and stuff and if something is that khan was meant to come the one he got the phone call if you go to the lee priest seminar you know, never place high in a show again. So they just tried to, I'm thinking, why, why should they even bother you anymore? If this is years yeah. later, then they're still yeah. trying to, I couldn't even, for a while, I couldn't even go to shows. You know, Tony Doherty wouldn't let me go to IFBB shows in Australia. Wouldn't even let me go to the expo, which upset me because Tony and I have been friends since I was a teenager. But that whole time I was suspended for almost eight, nine years until they did that, you know, where they split a few years ago and went to the IFBB Elite and IFBB yeah. whatever. Yeah. One day my phone rings and I'm like, fucking Tony Doty. I'm like, answer it. How you going, Lee? I said, good. I said, haven't heard from you for a while. He goes, oh, Lee, well, you know how it was, you know. You're a friend, but I'm with the IFBB. I said, no, I don't understand. I said, you're a friend. I said, you can still call me and fucking talk to me and shit. Yeah. You didn't have to just cut me out. He goes, well, I just want you to know now you're welcome back to my shows and to the expos. I'm like, oh. Fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. So you don't go over you don't go to these shows? I I, have, I did go I did go to one or two after that, but I don't really. It's like, you know, because it's like to me it's like you could have just spoke to me still. It's like well, the IPB wouldn't have known you're calling up Lee Priest or sending yeah. a text going, How you going, mate? So, so how do you okay, so are you okay with everybody now? Is everything kind of like done well, and over? I with? think I am. I I see like I said, like I said, I've never had a problem with Jim and or any anyone really, so I know that when I started doing the podcast with Dave again a few years ago, I actually had to do like a – we had to do one, and Dave had to send that to them to watch it to oh, make okay. sure <laughs> to make sure I was a good boy. So am I going to get am I going to get in trouble for this? Are you? <laughs> am I fucked right now for this? No, no. Leave. When, when you when you go to sponsor a show and they say, "Excuse me, for we can't accept your your sponsorships anymore." I will. No, no, you're right. No, because I'm I'm fine with them now. See, I've been on, like I said, I go on a few podcasts, and that no, doesn't. No, they're good. They're, 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 I said I don't really 
like I said, there's nothing personal against them. This was, like I said, you have to understand when I had my problems, it was when Wayne run it. From what I see now, because of Jim Mannion and his grandson Tyler, it's like a totally different yeah. thing now. So even though I'm talking about the IPB, all my talk is past tense because I'm so, an old man. So I have to tell, I have to ask you from, from my perspective. <clears throat> so coming up in the early 2000s, I heard a lot of this stuff. Kind of mm-hmm. like secondhand, right? I never, I never mm-hmm. talked to anybody at the very top when I was coming up. But I heard a lot of this stuff secondhand. But after getting to the higher levels of the IFBB, I never really... I mean, I wasn't around when Wayne, when Wayne was around. So that's mm-hmm. probably why I don't... I never really heard or saw all this stuff when I was competing. Everything yeah. was... Everything was, like, pretty above board. Mm-hmm. I don't recall like any real semantics being played. I know, pe- you know, people comment all the time. It's like politics, this politics, that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I, honestly, maybe I'm just shielded from it. Cause I'm up in Canada, but I honestly didn't see too much. So maybe it was just Wayne's time or, you know, I, I, think, I, I, think, I think it was more Wayne's time. That might've been another true reason why Wayne ended up leaving or being kicked out and stuff. But maybe it was because, you know, Wayne would, and they do deals with, like, on one of the European tours, I think we're in Prague, and there was, like, this, I think it was Uncle Sam's clothing or something. So there were things like where a store or a clothing thing would say, Wayne, we'll give you $10,000 or this or that to bring the athletes to the store. Oh, and we got wind of this, and we're like, wait a minute, we don't get anything. Oh, you know, you get free tracksuit, you get some free Uncle Sam clothing. Oh, so I'm at the hotel, and on the European tour, I was getting a lot of third places. It was like NASA, Kevin, me, Kevin, NASA, me, and then Paul yeah. Dillette was fourth. And then at one, I think I got fourth. Paul got third. We're always in the top three and four. So this yeah. one time, so Paul, this is, Paul was living with me at the time. And we're at the hotel and I said, okay, guys, go downstairs to the bus. We're going to this store. And Paul Dillette's like, son, because he always called me son. He goes, we're not going. I said, we're not. He goes, no, he goes, why the fuck should we go? Wayne's getting money. Fuck Wayne. You know, that's why Paul would talk to me. <laughs> fuck Wayne, isn't that? So <laughs> I just sit there with Paul. Everyone leaves. We're just sitting there. We're starting to eat. NASA comes up. <laughs> okay, he ran up the stairs. Guys, Wayne said you got to come on the bus. And then Paul's doing to me. You tell Wayne we're not coming. <laughs> so NASA goes. They leave. From that point on, the last three shows, Paul and I will place a ninth and eighth. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're fucking with his money. That's why I see. Yeah, and it's so funny too because we're um, I think we got held over in Spain, like a delay at the airport. We're there for like seven hours, and back then people were smoking in the airport, so it was just murder. Yeah. Oh no, we went to. It could have been Budapest or something, but we're going to Spain, and the show was meant to start at seven. We didn't get there to almost midnight, but after these delays, yeah. People like, oh, the tours are so great. We got there at midnight. We're off stage at two at the hotel, back up at five to get on another plane to go somewhere else. But it was so funny because we're in this thing and the plane's about the board. And we're like, where the fuck's Kevin? I'm like, so I go find Kevin. He's in the toilets at the airport, fucking putting tan on, half naked. You know, the average person's walking into the bathroom at an airport <laughs> toilet. And Kevin's putting fucking tan Rolling on. it on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just like, and on the, the plane, fuck? too, because Kevin liked drinking. It was so funny. You know, a lot of those, you know, nothing against gay people, but a lot of the flight attendants back then were gay. Yeah. And Kevin, once he had a few vodkas on the plane and shit, he'd be walking around, shirt undone, pants half hanging off, and these flight attendants are <laughs> just following <laughs> Kevin around like he's the Pied Piper. 
Oh, well, Kevin's fuck. getting all his sandwiches. We're like, why are they giving you all these sandwiches? He's like, I don't know. Fucking <laughs> chest hanging out. <laughs> Back to sandwiches. Jesus. See, but yeah, but he was getting all these fucking food brought to him. But yeah, and then, well, like I said, because we we're traveling, I think we did seven shows in nine days, and we're just like, we got to the point where we're like, oh, this sucks, and that. And Wayne, we're on the bus. Wayne's like, guys, you stood up. This is big speech. I know how you guys feel. I know it's hard. He's like, I just brought a new lever recliner and I haven't even had a chance to sit on it. And I'm like, how the fuck does that equate to us fucking dying? You got a new lever, yeah, you got a yeah. new lever recliner, you haven't had a chance to sit on it. I said, Oh yeah, you you totally know yeah, what we're suffering, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So obviously things have come very, very far since then. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Now, obviously, you heard about all the controversy with Bob and whatever, and athletes rap and all yeah, that shit. But then you started. Uh, I didn't start it. Listen, you know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny about it? The, a clip is cut out of a three-hour podcast, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's made to seem like it was my sole purpose was to like attack uh-huh. him, right? No, it was a three-hour podcast. It was a Q and A. Somebody asked me what could be done better, and I, I gave a few a few mm-hmm. pieces of advice that I thought could be done better. So I'm going to ask you the same thing. What do you think an athlete's rep could do for the athlete? Let's say people, let's say the guys want an athlete's rep, which I haven't heard mm-hmm. guys like yearning for it, but let's say they did. Yeah. What could an athlete's rep do for the guys? Well, I think for one, they could, they could listen to them. And like I said, I, I heard your ideas when you said it. And then I saw Bob's rebuttal video where Bob was just, Oh, this is stupid. This is that you'd be laughed out. But it's like, you know, anything you have to start somewhere w- with a discussion. I think I'm sure when the Apple phone was being made or things were being made, somebody probably said, hey, we could do this. And someone goes, oh, that's a stupid fucking idea. How about we do it this way? you got to put ideas out there to begin with and then discuss them and then tweak them. But, you know, a lot of things you said where, you know, you go to contests, they always have sometimes the same tennis. They always have the same expediters on stage. So how hard would it be? Like the Iron Man used to have the best lighting, where you mentioned lighting. Yeah. Why couldn't you find out what Mike Naveau used to do? So if you are in an auditorium or a hall where you can control the lighting, you could he could say, listen, this is the lighting we had set up. We use, you know, these blue lights, not the orange lights that wash you out. So you could yeah. have a rough idea so you could get the lighting similar. Yeah, that's never going to be perfect, but yeah. you could try and get it similar. Yes, in expo halls, it's totally different because you've got other lights and stuff coming up. Where you can control it, they could get pretty close to it and – the whole backdrop thing where Bob's like, wow, you can't have that. We've got sponsors. And I said what you said. You can have sponsors around it, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yes, if it's the big jumbo screen, when it goes black, it's shiny. Have the curtain. But at night time, you can have the sponsors when the routines are on. But during judging, it should just be the plain black thing. And it's like, that's not hard to do. Just little things like that because, you know, Bob's like, what are you going to do? Fly the same person everywhere to do this? Like, well, why not? It's like. In the beginning, we used to bring our music and they put our music on a thing and we'd hand our music in and the music would all be done the same. So, you know, little things can be done, but you've got to start somewhere. And just like I said, just having the discussion, getting the things going because, you know, it's like, you know, the way Bob made it sound was like you're going to have the same lighting guy go to every show all over the world and he has to be everywhere at once. It's like, no, Bob, you just get a rough idea. This is how you yeah. settle up roughly and then – Follow the plan, you know. Yeah, yeah. If the guy can be, if the guy can beat some of the bigger shows, why not? Because, you know, the Night of Champions, Charlie Blake used to do the lighting there, and it was pretty good, like the Iron Man. So 
that's one thing I give Wayne, going back to Wayne, was he was pretty ruthless when it came to how he treated the competitors and stuff. But as a promoter, he was probably, very when it comes to the promotion side, he was very, very good at promoting bodybuilding and the shows and that. One of the things we were talking about in the circles was uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody brought up prize money mm-hmm. and that athletes should be getting paid more. Now, as a promoter, I know what kind of money comes in. And I think people think there's a lot more money than there actually is. Like a lot of people, a lot of people think these promoters are just walking away with millions. And I'm like, I, I just don't, I mean, I know some of them make pretty good money, but I, I don't think it's like that necessarily, but um, one of the things I suggested was uh, cutting athletes into the ticket mm-hmm. sales, but only if they're actually helping market the show. Mm-hmm. Is that something you think would be valuable as an athlete's rep to bring forth to the IFBB to say, look, the athletes are going to get involved in actually promoting the shows. So we get more mm-hmm. fans in the seats and, but they want a percentage a small percentage, 1%, 2%, yeah. whatever, to be spread out amongst how, whatever, the top 10 or something. Yeah. Is that I something? Think so because, I think so. Even if it came to pay-per-view, well, let's even just say, remember Mitsuri used to do the Battle for the Olympia videos? Yeah. And we never really got paid for that, but he would give us lots of videos that we could sell and make money from. So sure. let's just say leading up to the Olympias now that the IFBB did something where they had like an Olympia channel where, like a YouTube channel where, the, you know, the guys could answer a couple of questions or maybe just have a workout on there. You know, if they get followers and they're making money from that YouTube station with the Olympia guys or whoever, maybe some of that money could go to, you know, it's not going to be a lot maybe, but depending how many followers you get and advertising on the channel, little things like that even, or even maybe start doing something where it has the, you know, the thing if people get involved, I see because if you know you're going to get a little bit more money, you've got more incentive to do something. That's so right. you're like, you know. Whatever it be, yeah, however think, it will be. But, you know, Bob's going to do a video on this and say, that fucking idiot Lee Preston for what are now discussing getting the other. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm over it. Anybody can make videos all they want. Well, I guess what the point I'm trying to make is, because I, I was watching Jay Cutler's podcast, and, they, mm-hmm. and, Jay, and Jay was actually asking a, a good question. And he said, what do the athletes want from an athlete's rep? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really good question. It's like, it's great to say there should be an athlete's rep, but what do they actually mm-hmm. want? Do they actually need an athlete's rep? Because if they don't want anything... Yeah then there's no need for an athlete's rep, right? But I think, but ever since the conversation has come up, things have been asked for, like maybe they do want health checks. Maybe they do want health insurance. Maybe they do want Mm -hmm. more prize money. So I guess the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because, um, well, me and you discussed it offline and it was almost like there should just be a go between. So there could be a discussion and an explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing like maybe nothing will get done at all, but it would be nice to have somebody that could go to the mm-hmm. powers, the powers that be, and then that person could go back to the athletes and say, "Hey, we can't do this because X, Y, Z." You know, mm-hmm. so well, it's like like you said, even when you brought it up, and I don't think you were rude about it when Bob saying you didn't say his name because really not many people knew if he still held that position because it was back, like I said, so long ago that yeah. it was sort of a self-appointed or. Jim gave him the position that I was watching that one, I think it was the Muscle and Fitness TV that Nick was on, and they asked Nick, did you know Bob was the athlete's rep? And Nick's like, <laughs> you know. <just> like, <laughs> like To me, it's like if you're the athlete's rep and you've got that position, every time someone gets a pro card, it should have been just a, 
mandatory email set out. Hi, I'm Bob Ciccarello. Welcome yeah. to the IFBB Pro Division. Any concerns you have, blah, 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 feel free to contact me. Just a standard email that could have gone out every year to order new pros. So at least they would know, hey, if I have a concern, I can just email Bob and then Bob can yeah. go to whatever. So like you said, it might never change anything, but at least the athletes would know. But I think the majority of them didn't even know that Bob held that position. So well, when you said, like I said, I could see that, you know, you, know, you, you weren't too sure. If you say Bob's the athlete's rep, Bob could have come back and said, I'm not the athlete's rep. It's like it's like a catch-22, damned if yeah. you do, damned yeah. if you don't. So well, to no be honest, one really knew. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't – I mean, I knew he was the athlete's rep. I didn't yeah. know – I like you said, I didn't know the position still existed. I thought it was kind of like, yeah. you know, it's kind of gone because – And I think oh, the majority didn't know. Well, because I think – this is what I mean. Even if we had an athlete's rep, I don't know if people, if a lot of guys would know what to ask for. Yeah. Like they, I don't even think there's a general consensus of what the guys want for there to yeah. be an athlete's rep. Yeah. So, yeah. but I think like you said, prize money would be one because yeah, like I said, promoters, like I said, people think they make all the money, but you know, that to be some way to generate money because it is a, like I said, it has got a good following the sport. There should be a bit there. But when I see someone like, Anton winning ten thousand dollars. I'm thinking, shit. In the nineties, we won ten thousand dollars. How can it still be ten thousand? I know the Olympia's gone up slightly, but to me, the Olympia should even be five hundred thousand to a million. Yeah, you know, for the first place. When you look at other sports, like on the circles, I was talking the other day. I was getting ready for the 06 Ironman, and I was on the treadmill. You know, those last couple of weeks where you just you start questioning, why am I doing this shit? Yeah. Fuck this. And, and I'm just watching TV, and there was these banners, and I'm like, oh, what's this? You know, because I had like things ESPN was on, and I'm watching it. It says, oh, down to the finals, million dollar check. I mean, it, this arena was packed. And I think, well, fuck, what's this? It darts? No. These people walk out, and they're like, no. World Championship of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a million dollars, and I'm on the treadmill fucking thinking I hate life. I'm thinking, I'm killing myself. <laughs> and I you won the playing, Iron Man. I got, you could be playing I got paper 10 right. grand for winning the Iron Man. And, they, and they're just going, yeah. thinking, what preparation does this take? It's like, is it like when you play cards and you poker face? You're like, I know when Sam comes out and he gets a twitch, he's going for the rock. It's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like I'm thinking, I said, I just went, oh, fuck it. Now I know I'm fucking doing something wrong when, you know, there's so many sports out there. If they can generate that much money, why can't bodybuilding? Because, okay, bodybuilding is just a small portion, but the whole fitness industry in a whole, yeah. and there's so many different classes now. I was even thinking, okay, I understand there's running costs at the RFB and stuff, but when you look at how many pros would be there now with all the categories, the wellness, the bikini, the fitness, men's physique, bodybuilding, and that, and I don't know what the pro card is now. Is it like it used to be like two seventy five a year? You had to pay for your pro yeah. card. So if there's thousands of pros and they're paying for their pro card, does a percentage of that could maybe go to some prize money somewhere? I don't know because I think like a lot of it. Know. I think a lot of it has to do with sponsors. To be honest with you, because mm-hmm. and this is, and I'm not saying it means the promoters are going to give up some of that money. I mean, maybe that should be something that needs to be discussed at the higher levels. But I'm telling you, from being at the show, like since I started Hostile. And, and going to some expos as a company and sponsoring some shows, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of supplement companies. So yeah. I did I did two of Branch Warren's shows this year. I did uh, the Europa show in Dallas. They're pretty big shows. Like, you know, Branch Warren's show has been around for a long time, the one mm-hmm. show anyway. And I walk in and there's a lot of sponsors, but not a lot of bodybuilding sponsors. Yeah. So it's like, I don't see the, I don't see the GAT, the, 
the Cellucor, the, you know, all the big, you know, the, all the, mm-hmm. big, all, you know, the NutriBio, like all these companies that you see that are really, really big have been around, been around yeah. for a long, a long time. I don't see those companies there. I don't see them there with a booth and some athletes and like, mm-hmm. you know, actually meet and greet people. And I think I, I, you can't ever demand that a sponsor sponsor a show, but I think if you have athletes, if you're a company, you sponsor athletes, then you need to be giving back to the, to the, to the, to bodybuilding mm-hmm. as a whole. So if yeah, a lot of those yeah. companies, if a lot of those companies went back, I mean, this is why the Arnold and the Olympia can give that kind of prize money because you yeah. walk in, you walk into the expo and there's, you know, 300 mm-hmm. different vendors. Yeah. And I remember even back then when I was with twin lab, they used to pay good money. Twin lab would take up a whole big, yeah, big, I remember I that. They were yeah. paying eighty thousand or one hundred twenty thousand just for their booth space and stuff. And then, yeah. yes, I know some of them would lose money, but it was like because you know back then too, those fucking freeloader people that would come around because I'd be at the booth all day, and they're coming past with their bags like it's fucking Christmas and just fucking take <laughs> trick or treating. <laughs> yeah, and then when Instagram or Facebook start up, or was, or was it MySpace back in the day? You yeah. see a photograph of someone's hotel bed just covered in fucking yeah. products and shit yeah. and people are like yeah. yeah every time after an expo we don't sell products for months because people just go and yeah. load up and shit and they're like i've never well, seen people just go for free shit it's like you have a t-shirt to throw out it's where you're giving out a million dollars people just go nuts for a t-shirt yeah no i and i've seen it at SciTech. we used to, we used to throw uh free shaker cups into the crowd and people would be crazy <laughs> i think it's just a, a matter of getting a free something makes people excited yeah which is fine but I don't think supplement companies have to do that. I think if you show yeah. up and you mm-hmm. sponsor, people are happy to support the brand by buying your mm-hmm. merchandise. If they can meet their favorite pro or just yeah. buy some buy something in person and meet the brand that they want to support. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know from our experience, I'll tell you, it's not necessarily an extremely profitable venture. Mm-hmm. But that, it's very nearsighted to think of it that way because in the long yeah. term, it's profitable because I met a lot mm-hmm. of people and like you shake hands and you have a laugh and you talk to them. And mm-hmm. I think that's good for business. You know what I mean? Like it's good yeah, for it's it. The last thing I've seen the stuff you've posted when you've been out there because you do the podcast and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, now it's the internet, sure. And you got more contact. But yet yeah. when we did it, it was like you get a lot of papers, like the magazines come to life. He's these yeah. athletes at the yeah. booth. Yeah. It's the same thing now when you and Ben and yeah. them turn up somewhere, they come and see you like, wow, even if you're at a store, they line up to come to the store because yeah. we get to see you live now. And I think the fans still appreciate it more than what some yeah. of these big companies think. They're thinking, ah, yeah. oh, you know, these people don't care anymore. But I think they really do when they it comes do. down to it. The fans do love meeting people live still. Yeah. yeah, and I think, but that's, I guess that's one of the ways I'm saying as a suggestion is for if more of the sponsors got back involved into the sport, then the promoters could say, okay, well, we've got a hundred sponsors. We can give out bigger prize money and it's not going to affect their bottom line. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's a long discussion, but I guess the point I'm... The and point like I said, it's good to have the discussion. And that's like I said, the, yes. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I'm sure if there was a list, say you had a hundred things on the list, maybe fucking 91 of those things are fucking stupid, but maybe those last nine could be great ideas that can make yeah. the sport move forward. Even... One great idea can make a big change. So, you know, not well, every idea is going to come off and be the answer. But like I said, you just got to start somewhere. Well, I'll tell you this. So we've had a lot of people pass in the last couple of years in bodybuilding, and a few of them have been very close to me. And every time 
someone passes, we talk about different health things that people can mm-hmm. do or things that the IFBB, IFBB may want to like start mandating or not necessarily mandating, but suggesting that might be good for athletes to do yeah. for their health. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, there are people that are like, oh, this is a stupid idea. But what I've noticed is more and more people are more uh, accepting of the idea of getting blood work now. Yeah. So it's like you're saying is the discussion is important because even if it doesn't lead to the final idea that you're thinking of, there are a whole yeah. bunch of things before it that might take that place. Could, yeah. Well, it's like any other so. sport. You know, I was in the I was doing the car racing. The same thing. You get a death in car racing, and like a dragster once the tire blew on the top fueler and the rods that hold up the tail went through the, under his helmet. So they implemented after a while putting the metal thing behind the roll cage so nothing could come in. Yeah. It's like in the beginning with here in Australia, I know over there with NFL. Yeah, you know, no one gave a fuck about concussion. And when they started bringing that insane guys should get checked. People are like, oh fuck it, they played a game, they're tough. Who gives a shit about a knock in the head? But now they're implicating that into it. You know, yeah. if someone here in Australia now has a collision playing rugby, they take them off the field straight away and check them over first to make sure they're okay, type thing. So it's like, you know, in the in the beginning, people thought they were stupid ideas. You know, NASCAR when Dale Earnhardt died and that. Because his neck snapped forward when he hit the wall at Daytona. I remember that? And they yeah. thought, okay, we've got to do this. And now they brought out the Hans device that went around their neck, and their helmet clipped onto it. So you know, when yeah. we'd go racing, the head couldn't snap forward. So the same with bodybuilding. Yes, there's deaths, and we know any any extreme sport there's going to be deaths. But you know, to just say, oh, we can't do this. That's stupid. You can't do blood tests. It's up to the guys. There should be things put out there, like you said, because. Okay, you might not be able to do this thing, but just maybe a smaller change can make a big difference. But like I said, you've got to start somewhere with something. And like I said, all other sports that have had deaths slowly bring things in. And like I said, if you're a hardcore fan of those sports too, you're probably like, oh, yeah. fuck, what are we doing that for? You're making the sport more pansy and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. yet, you know, if it's going to save lives and help people in the long but- run and keep your sport going, it's like, why not? Lee, it's easy to say when you're sitting on your fucking couch. Oh, those guys are pansies. Oh, yeah. But when they're the oh, yeah. when, they're, when the guys that play in football are the ones putting their lives on the line, mm-hmm. or the guys in the dragsters or the guys in the fucking race cars are putting their lives, who's you know they got to worry about themselves. Well, everyone, everyone's the quarterback. And that's why I even love my mates. Was I never watch football, but when I yeah, when I'd be in a mate's house, he might have one on, and he's like, "Look at that fucking cunt! He couldn't even catch the ball. I fucking didn't see it coming." I'm like. <laughs> I said, are you for real? I said, you're sitting yeah. here eating your fucking chips and shit. I said, yeah. <laughs> you're looking here. Look, here's the guy. You're on the field. Fucking players running around. Your adrenaline's yeah. pumping, crowds yelling. Yeah. You've got a split second to see that ball coming, to yeah. catch it or throw it. I said, you're at home sitting there. You've got 20 fucking camera angles. You're like, how did he fucking miss that? I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> you got fucking 20 cameras on it. He doesn't yeah. have 20 cameras. He gets yeah. a split second to fucking exactly. make a split decision. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sitting at home, you can, oh, yeah, it's easy. It's like even on a race car track. How did he crash? Because oh, you're watching the race cars here with cameras overhead. You can see what's up ahead. He can't. Yeah. When you're behind the car, it's like I said, you go driving on a normal road. Someone slams their brakes on you like shit. Yeah. Now, you imagine that doing 200, 200 miles, miles an hour. An hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I I think the I think the people that say I think the people that say you chose to do this, you bear the risk. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's really fucking stupid. Because if you're a real fan of the sport, 
and you're a real fan of the people that are doing the sport, if you're, and when I say a real fan, I mean, you actually care about that person. Then you yeah. should, you should want that person to be around for a long fucking time. Exactly. You shouldn't, you shouldn't want them to just be completely reckless and fucking die when they're 45. Cause mm-hmm. that means you're not really a fan. You're just using them for whatever fucking entertainment you yeah. can get out of them. So I and don't then understand. They'd be like, then they'd be like, too, they'd be like, oh, but he died. You know, saying he loves. It's like, okay, yeah, but I love doing it, but I, you know, I'd rather die in my sleep or something. I don't want to, yeah. you know, die doing something I love. It's like, okay, I love racing cars, but I don't want to crash into a fucking wall and have you say, yeah. oh, fucking, you know, he got splattered. He did something he loved. So, yeah, it's like, it, I don't, it's, it's so weird that people have that thing. It's like, even with bodybuilding, with the trolls, even. I guess because we you know when I came up it was the magazine, so you never had so much. I think Get yeah. Big was the main board back then, where you yeah. had I think the age fifteen, a couple of guys on there that would they used Ruthless. to have a Deadpool. They had yeah. a Deadpool on there. Did they really? I think I was I was on there all the time. Of shit, I think in my early twenties they had me dying because I'd get so heavy in the off season. He's going to be dead by the time he's twenty six. He'll be dead by the time he's twenty seven. He'll yeah, look at him now. It's like they're actually wishing pretty much death upon people. I'm like, how can I can't you like, imagine? Follow a sport. It's like, look, and even the ones that follow, you, you get the haters, which I just fuck with them online. People are like, Lee, why do you give them attention for them? I'm like, well, obviously their mother didn't, so someone's got to give them yeah. attention. So yeah. I'll go on there and fuck with them. But it's like, I don't get that mentality where, look, I don't follow tennis. I appreciate what it takes to be like a yeah. Rafael Nadal or a Djokovic. I might watch the finals, yeah. but I could never imagine – just thinking, oh, what will I do today? Oh, let me just get my phone out. <laughs> Start oh, Rafael people. Nadal. <laughs> you fucking suck. Your backhand yeah. is the worst fucking backhander ever. You should fucking retire, you stupid. I'm thinking, if Agree. you don't like somebody or the sport, why do you put I so know. much hate and time into it? It's like, I get they're trolling, but how miserable is your life? Or, or It's like, like, I just don't get that mentality where... I, I can't imagine taking the time to do it myself, to be honest I used to get it even when I was younger, like earlier on, when my daughter was coming up through the sport. I'm banging your daughter in the ass and this and oh. that. I'm tag teaming your mother. And because and when I competed with my mother and stuff, I'm like, <laughs> I just start laughing in the end. I'm like, really? And I'm like, oh, just, just that whole mentality. But like I said, I used to do... Then you get the ones, if I see you in person, I'll fucking... I'm like, right. I said, look, mate, I said... I said, I'm a hitman's wet dream. I go to the same gym at the same time. <laughs> I go to the schedule. same cafe. You'll see I'm at an expo from nine to five. Yeah, I yeah, said, I'm yeah. not hard to find. If you really want to come get me, I said, Shit, a hitman would be like, oh, I'll just wait yeah. here. Lee will be here at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the time. I've never been in person approached by a troll or someone mm-hmm. coming. I always figured they're the same one to come up, buy a photo, shake your hand. Oh, I love you. Then they get back online. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even like, I had a, where was I once? I had a one fan and I was like, just at a, this was when I, the last Olympia I went to with um Black Skull in 18 or just before COVID hit. I've been there all day, standing there, because, you know, when you're there, if the fans are there, you don't really get time to eat. You just stand there, because I enjoy it. Yeah. And one time I had to, like, take a piss at a line, saying, like, I just got to go to the toilet. Oh, <laughs> like, shit, I got to pee. And then my friend brought me over a Rice crispy Treat Bar. I hadn't yeah. eaten all day. I'd been there from nine. It was about lunchtime. And I'm just, you know, the line's there, and the guy who works for Black said, just wait a minute, let's just go and eat. They're like, sure. This one guy comes around here. I'm thinking, don't make eye contact because as soon as you make eye contact, <laughs> I'm eating the bar. I look over, he's like, 
I'm like, and the guy goes, oh, can you just wait to eat? He's like, okay. So I meet the bar again. I look over. He's like, oh, I'm just eating this. And the guy just said, just give him a minute. He goes, he walks past the line. He goes, don't ask him for a fucking photo. He's too busy fucking eating. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, fuck, you can't win. It's like, no. oh, no, you're damned if you do. <laughs> I even had one person once signing photos. And the guys, this woman comes over with a sign. And normally young kids always, I never charge them anyway. If they're a young yeah. kid and they're coming up to us, I just give them a free photo. Yeah. And I signed the photo, handed it to the mother, and Kathy was there. Kathy's like, that's $10. What? $10? You can take your fucking photo and fucking through. Oh. <laughs> I like, oh. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Anyway, listen, so- we, can, we can go on about trolls forever. Let's, let's move on. There's a lot of stuff I want to ask you about. So I'm interested in your family life growing up. Mm-hmm. You always talk about your dad being gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to know. It's, what, okay. it's, not, it's only gay if it's gay. It's only, well, I don't know if I agree with you, Lee. It's not only gay if you're gay. <laughs> hey, I, I've, I've given you an example before. It's like it's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to give that example on here. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Look, I was in a threesome. It was, things were happening. And don't go fast. Was... Don't go fast. Go slow. <laughs> So, yeah, I had to skip through the whole story, <laughs> and then it happened, and that was it. <laughs> no, so you okay? You brought it up, so we're going to talk about it. So, you were in a threesome. Mm-hmm. Me, my wife at the time in America, and another guy. Okay, so we're just you know we're into it, doing whatever, and changing positions, and blah blah blah. I get up, she starts riding. I'm standing beside the bed, and I'm like, someone, <laughs> someone's someone's blowing me. <laughs> and I'm like someone. Well, I can't, someone. Someone, someone. I can't be her because she's up there. That's so right. there. <laughs> it's, it's Jesus. <laughs> so, and I look down and it's him. And because I'm in the moment, I'm like, nah, fuck it. You know, who am I to fucking do whatever? So <laughs> I, you know, I I finished, you know, I sort of come in his mouth and whatever. Oh. Come on, Lee. Fuck. Well, you said go slow and give the story. I don't I'm want that much story. fucking Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> so it happened, right? Let's just yeah. say it happened. And then yeah. after that, things went back to normal. And from that day, I never thought, hey, I want to be with a guy or I want to have a guy suck my dick again. So does that make you gay? It's like it happened in the moment. I did it because it was just going with the flow. I didn't want to interrupt or, you know, Why? make him feel bad. Like, hey, stop sucking my dick, you faggot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't so want to I make him a, feel bad. So I, yeah, I, didn't want to be the, I didn't want to be the party pooper. So I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. You fuck, that's such a capo. I didn't want to be the party pooper. You fucking yeah, like plus, that. you know, I'd rather come in his mouth than on the sheets. I don't want to have to uh, wash the sheets. <laughs> okay, that's, I'm sorry, but that's gay. That's not gay because I've never been with a guy since. Or never but you liked thought it. About it. But you liked it. It wasn't sure, for money. It, it, but wait a minute. Doesn't mean I like it. Sometimes well, yes, you're banging it out. Yes, yes, it does. If it, okay, if it's not for money, and it's not forced, and you came <laughs> from it, that's gay. No, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Felt pleasant. <laughs> if you're in a dark room and and there's a guy and a girl in there, and I turn the light off, and one starts blowing, you trust me, you won't know the mouth unless. They got a mustache or a beard, and you get a little bit of a tickle. It's like you're you're not going to know which one's on the end there. So, but you did know, and you still yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah because so, it still felt good. It's yeah. Still, so what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is, part of you enjoys being with a man. 
<laughs> no, because I've never thought about it since. <laughs> well, that's you just repressed it. You just repressed. You just repressed. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sigmund Freud. <laughs> well, it could mean you're bisexual. It doesn't mean you're gay. Oh, I, I could probably go with the bi more than anything. If, yeah. if I went to jail, if I went to jail and I had a nice cellmate, I'd be like, "Well, fuck, I'm here for a couple You'd of years." You'd be all right with it, yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> You know, some people go to jail and they might wait a couple of months. I'll be there for two days and go, yeah, oh, why not? Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I'm anyway, no, but I, listen, this, I want to be serious, though, because I, I, I'm genuinely curious about your family life, because I hear a lot about mm-hmm. it, but I only hear bits and pieces. So uh-huh. do you have siblings? I have a sister, yes, two years older. And when did your parents get divorced? Uh, I would have been... I think it's only about three or four. I was really young because my mother then they used to go to church and she met my father and I think she knew he was gay, but back in those days it's like if you go to church, we can change you we and can fix you know, it. Yeah. Yeah, we can fix it. So and I did <laughs> I did an interview once and my dad called me up, he goes, I don't find that very funny. I said, What? He goes, That interview, because in the interview, you know, you talk about fate being in the right place at the right time and all this stuff. I said when I look back at my bodybuilding career and I see what I've done and the racing and I've had a pretty good life, I said, yeah. imagine if my mother ne- never met my father at that point in time. I said, I could have been shot down a guy's throat or over his back or up his asshole. Like there would have been, there would have been no lead what grief. Fuck, I could have been, what, 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 what's, wrong what's wrong with you? <laughs> what, what, where, have you got a couple of hours? But it's true. Imagine if I know, but, but what mother. I'm saying is your dad said that was offensive and you didn't know what was offensive about it. <laughs> no, because it's true. I could have been on a bathroom floor somewhere. It's like, <laughs> oh, can, okay. Can something be true and still be offensive though? Well, yeah. offense is like it's hard that it can be offensive, but it's just like everyone, I guess, to me, because to offend me, it's like I don't get offended. I get if I see someone being like bad to elderly people and that, that like upsets me. But offense to me, it's like because, you know, I've been to comedy shows where people say jokes. I don't get offended, but I might think that joke's not funny. But yeah. then I might laugh at a Jake joke about rape and babies dying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, I get it. But it, I, the whole I, I, the whole offensive thing these days, I think, is no, no. But offensive, well, okay. There's offensive from afar, and there's yeah. offense, there's offensive close. So it's like, mm-hmm. and I just totally made that up. So whatever the fuck it means, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, like when you're listening to a comedian, that's yeah. that's like offensive from afar. It's like mm-hmm. most most normal people aren't going to get offended by a comedian's act or some shit, right? That's just a new thing now. From like mm-hmm. woke people are getting offended by. But I'm, I mean, from close. So, like, if you say something to your buddy or to somebody standing in front of you, it can be true and still be offensive. Yeah, I think maybe my dad just found it. He probably found it more shocking that I said it. <laughs> Which is, you know, if you if you're the father of me, you shouldn't be fucking yeah. upset by anything I say. It should yeah. just be like, oh, we expect that from him. So, I think just that I put because I put it in the interview where because yeah. I've always said about my father was gay my cousin and he ended up being a transsexual and that and then i said and then i had when i was living at home my sister had a boyfriend yeah and they broke up and i moved up north to queensland and then my mother and sister my mother separated from my stepfather and they moved in to be with me 
Okay. And then next thing I know, my mother's now dating my sister's ex-boyfriend. So I used to say to my sister, what's it like listening to mum bang your fucking ex in the room next door? What the fuck? <laughs> and now you ask why I'm fucked up. So you know... <laughs> <laughs> Holy I hope shit. this is explaining a lot. <laughs> How did that go over? Uh, yeah, I think in the beginning, I, my sister was sort of hurt by it because my this guy was now my mum's going to see this and go, oh, yeah, I can't believe you're telling that story again. Yeah. <laughs> again. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, my whole family could have been on Jerry Springer. I would have been fucking. <laughs> Holy shit, Lee. So was your yeah, childhood. Was so let me ask you this because there's. It was normal. <laughs> normal. Well, no, no, but I, I actually am serious. So. Even with all that shit going on, you still said you were yeah. very close. You were very close with your family. Yeah, yeah, because like I, I lived with my because we lived on the same street. So our house was here diagonally across, or on this corner was my grandparents' house. So I could just walk across the road. But then, as I got probably in my teens, I just lived with my grandparents because my grandfather was in the training. He'd go to the gym oh, three, four times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, there'd be days I'd be getting ready for a contest. And it'd be like pissing down rain. I mean, like four in the morning, I'd always do cardio with him, go walking and riding. It'd be pissing down rain. I'd wake up and go, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, sleep in. All of a sudden, on the fucking bedroom window, I look out there, he's with a fucking raincoat on. I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) On the bedroom window outside. (laughs) I'm like, you you stupid old bastards. I think if he's out there, I better go out and do it now. I can't be look bad. So, yeah, so I'd always got into the training through them. And like I said, we're always close. Like I said, we pretty much saw each other every day and stuff. So you always go on holidays together. And my mum would always hate it, though, because on holidays I'd always have to take the weights. I'd pack the weights in the caravan or I'd have to find a gym somewhere and stuff like that. Did your stepdad train also or does most of your influence come from your grandfather? Grandfather. My stepdad, he was a coal miner. So by the time he got home from work, you just watch TV and he used to be in the making home brew. Like you'd make home beer and stout. That stuff yeah. that's like black and look like oil. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he always used to make it in the shed where I had my little gym set up when I was younger, and all I smelt was brewer's yeast and shit. Probably why I never liked the alcohol because I, yeah. <laughs> I'd smell him making that shit. So you were that serious that you used to pack your weights and shit when you'd go, but you were never a serious eater. Like you were never like you never no. paid attention to your diet, but you always no. trained. Yeah, because I wonder. I said I just wanted to look like he man even before. I think I got into it too because. My mother originally was going to call me Dwayne. There was some actor back then called Dwayne that she liked. But luckily, I think the Big Valley and the $6 million man come out. She fell in love with Lee Majors. So she called me Lee. So I used to start watching the $6 million man thinking, I love that show. Look at him pushing stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah. I could, even before I started weight training, I used to go into the driveway and just push the car back and forth, just doing stupid shit like that. And, you know, thinking I was the bionic man and, Stuff so I just got into that way, and I love Superman, and he was always strong. So then it was like when I was 13 and really got into the weights, is when I think Rocky Four come out. Shit, that's showing age, but when Rocky Four come out in '86, and when I saw like Stallone was in shape in that movie and Drago, then I just had the chin up bar in the fucking garage and the fucking doing those where he's just on his shoulders on the bench doing the legs up and down. Yeah, yeah, that's my whole training routine like that. Did you have a ton of friends or were you just one of those kids that was like, no. I just want to be in the gym. I just want to fucking train and buy myself. No. I, mean, I had friends when I was at school because I started school when I was four. So by the time I got to high school, I was still 12, just turning 13. So I got to high school early. Yeah. And then like year seven, year eight, I just got into the training. 
And I went to a gym, and there was a guy at the gym. He was in his 40s, and being 13, 14, someone in their 40s, like, you're fucking ancient. But he had um, a company that used to service fire equipment, sprinklers and that, and they needed a worker. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You go to the gym and you got your own business. That's good. So he said, do you want to come work for me? I'm like, i to go to school. So my mother had to write a letter. So I left school early. I didn't get a high school education, as you can tell. And I fucking <laughs> <laughs> I just started working. So he was one of my only friends who was in his 40s. And pretty much all my school friends I didn't see anymore because I just go to the gym before work because I yeah. worked with him. And then just work during the day. I'd sometimes go to the gym in the afternoon. I started at the Police Boys Club originally. I'd go there. I originally went there to do gymnastics. Yeah. You know, like on the rings and the yeah. hobble horse. But yeah. that didn't start till like five o'clock. And because I get there, the Police Boys Club about three thirty-four. They had the little weight room. I'm like, I'll just go in there and play around till this opens up. And then no, I just get stuck to the weights. Well, before then, even I was going to. I went to magician school for a year and a half because one of my uncles was a magician. And this is why my mum thought I'd never be a bodybuilder because I do karate as well. And, you know, anything you got to do where you've got to be by yourself, you know, having to do the cards and go, yeah, and yell, I'm like, yeah. fuck, everyone's looking at me. And then when I did the magic, I'd go on stage to do tricks. I'm like, I'm going to fuck this up. They're going to see that the fucking rabbits down here and I'm going to fucking pull it. They go, ah, oh, we saw it, can't you fucking, no, you fucked up. Sorry, can't so, <laughs> So I, I quit doing magic. So when they finally said, Lee, you should do a bodybuilder show, I said to mum, I'm going to do a bodybuilder. When I got into it, she at first didn't like it. She's like, yuck, you don't want to look like that, all those muscles and veins. Yeah, yeah. She thought, she goes, you don't get on stage to do magic. You don't do this, but you're going to go walk out on stage in some little yeah, underwear. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm going to give it a go. So when I came back at 13 with my first trophy, she's like, oh, I guess you're serious and stuff. So. Moving forward on, my mother's like me. She just loves food, and she was always plump. Yeah. She goes, if I get in shape, will you do the couples with me? And I was only 17. I'm like, yeah, get in shape. I'll do it. Eight months later, she's in shape. I'm like, fuck, I've got to go on stage with my mum now. This is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> but she she tells the story where I just won at 17 my Mr. Australia. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm Mr. Australia now. But our, our couples division hadn't been on yet. And she's on the opposite side of the stage with her routine starts where we're on the opposite stage. Yeah. But I better go sit if I walk around. And she tells it in the interview where I see Lee coming over, give me words of encouragement. And I walk over and as soon as I look at her, I go, you better not fuck this up on me. <laughs> she's like, what? Wait a minute. I found it. Do you mind if I show it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, fuck this commercial. Stuff. There I am. Look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Make a video about Lee Preach. Oh, this is uh so is this Nick Strength and Power? Must be, yeah. Thank you, Nick Strength and Power. Yeah. So that's my mom. My mom had only been trading eight months there and she was thirty eight at the time and people are like, Oh, you're giving your mum gear. But my mother and I have a high level of testosterone. She had to take estrogen to keep her male level down. Yeah, but when she started training, she stopped taking the estrogen, and she just developed really quick. So, so this is this is natural. So, yep. I guess, I mean, your thing all along has been that you never took a lot of gear. Now, nineteen. If you see photos of me, this is you at this is you at eighteen, seventeen, seven. Jesus Christ, man, this is you at seventeen. And the thing was, 
Yeah, 19 is when I did my first cycle at Decker and I put on 20 pounds because it's funny because I was a lightweight from 17, 18, 19. And if you see the photos beginning of the year when I'm 19 to the end of the year, I go from looking like that to a little mini Dorian Yates. Okay, wait a minute, Lee. Lee, this is you at 17 natural? Yep. No I only weighed, I was probably only 69, 70 kilos there, so only like 150 pounds. Pound. Yeah. yeah. That's why I said it's having the shape and that gives the illusion of being a lot bigger. Are you still that's close? True. Are you still close with your mom? Yep. This is, is that's, when I, that's when I won 17. That's when I won the Australia. Oh, there we go. Now you can see I've taken Decker. <laughs> some some gear there. <laughs> <laughs> the transformation. Yeah. That's... Not on the Wheeler product. That was 17 at the universe. There's me at 12, 13 when I started. This is you at 12 years old? Mm hmm This is what I looked like when I started at 20. Jesus, Lee. See, that, that's why when I saw it at the expo, I went... <laughs> 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 Yeah. Well, you know what? That was my first show. Go back. Go back to that last one. That was my first contest at 13. There you go. That's so crazy. And back then, I thought I used to wear a tank top thinking, look at the muscles on me. I look like a fucking greyhound. That was 15 there. You know, I tell people when they say genetics, it's not a on or off switch. It's a very broad spectrum of good good to bad. And when you say Lee Priest, you're like on the very far end. Of... And that's why I never used much gear. It's like even taking tests, people would always say I was lying, but I'd only use, if I use SUS 250, and let's just say it's 250, I'd take two mil, which was 500. When I took SIP, I'd take 400. Yeah. And then, um, you ever remember Trevor from Nuclear Nutrition, Trevor Smith? No. Real big guy. He was really into the heavy training, like really massive, yeah. like close to mid 300 pounds. He's like, Lee, imagine if you took more. You could have said, okay. I took 800 milligrams for a while. I felt like shit. I actually yeah. felt crap. It's almost like it's hard to describe that. You now, when you've been eating clean, you eat bad food and you yeah. feel sort of toxic and shit. That's yeah. how I felt. And yeah. I went back to the small dosage and it's like me getting ready for it. When I got ready for the Ironman, this Arnold and the San Fran, my whole cycle probably cost me $1,800 because I did growth twice my whole life, 94, 96. I've never done it since. I'm thinking now I'm 50 odd. Maybe it would work, but I just, my first growth, I took two IUs, then four. And because I was around 22, 24, I think, or well, maybe because I'm young. It's not working. I didn't, well. didn't yeah. notice it. So I figured, yeah, fuck, I'd rather spend the money on Winstrol or Stanozole. I know that works. So, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then even when it came to Winstrol and Stanozole, you know, when you first start taking that, everyone's like, you've got to take it every second day, being water based and shit. And so many times I put it in my shoulder and the needle would be. I'm like, fuck it, and just squirt it down the sink. And, oh. <laughs> and then, but then I had the bottle one down. I'm looking at the bottle and I'm like, two mil per hundred kilos every two weeks for a horse. I'm like, but if a fucking horse only needs two mil every two yeah. weeks per hundred kilos, why the, why the fuck am I taking one mil every second day? So I started using it every fourth day and I was in pretty much the same shape. I never, yeah. yeah so most cycles for a contest would sometimes be, Back then, I'd say if I was taking like SUS 250, I'd take a mil, two mil a week, maybe one Dianabol a day or Enadrol 50 and some Clenbuterol and T3, and that was it before a contest. Yeah. And people are like, well, how can you take Enadrol and Debol holds water? I said, if you're eating clean and that, it doesn't yeah. really. I said, no. off season, it does because it's all the shit food you're eating with it that holds the 
water and stuff. But yeah, I, I've always been honest. That's what would annoy me because I tell people, listen, if I took a thousand or two thousand, I said, look, I talk about my sex life. I talk about this. I said, do you think I'm going to lie about fucking steroids? Yeah. I said, I want you to know because I helped the guy get ready for the worlds once. And he said, Lee, can you help me? I said, sure. I've done his diet, done his training. He goes, what about gear? I said, look, when it comes to that shit, I'm very basic. I only know what I do. I can show you. So I sent it to him. I get an email back five minutes later. You're fucking with me. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, that's not enough. But I said, look, I said, if you're going to trust me with the diet and training, trust me with this. So he did it. He went over, first place at the world's. And he's yeah. like, Lee, that's the best I've ever felt and the best I've ever looked. I said, yeah. you don't need large amounts. I don't know where this more is better. Suddenly got into people's minds that you need a grammar test. And this, I said, it's all bullshit. I said, I think even towards the end, you know, rest in peace, Boston Lloyd, he even come to the conclusion that he didn't need that much shit that he took over yeah. all those years because well, I, yeah. your, body, your body can't use it. Yes, some do go higher, but yeah. I've been to England and done seminars and young kids over there, some are taking five grams of tests a week. I'm like, I know. Where, where the fuck do you put it? I said, the only one who's benefiting is the guy you're buying it off because yeah. he's making a fortune. Well, I've told people before that I've done like a pretty absurd amount of tests just as an, mm-hmm. experiment, as an experiment one off season. And I realized from going low to going high, I mean, my test level, my test level was higher than, higher than yours ever was, was ever because I went up to like, I think the comfortable spot for me was around a thousand or 1250. Yeah. But I went way higher than that just to see what would happen. And I just felt worse. I didn't feel yeah. any better. And I think, I think the, this is what I was trying to say earlier is the problem is people think it's, it's, you either have genetics or you don't have genetics. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that there is a broad spectrum of genetics. There's uh-huh. Lee priest. And then there's the guy with fucking zero genetics. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of people in between. So like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't, I don't have the same genetics you have, but I have good enough genetics yeah. to turn pro and, and, you know, do relatively well. So mm-hmm. it's like, but I think that's the misconception that people have. It's like, well, I, I took gear. Why don't I look like Lee? Well, Lee mm-hmm. has better genetics than you do. Like, I okay, always do that to people too. It's like in any sport, it's like, say you pick running, there's probably a f- hundreds, thousands of people that can run fast and sprint fast. But to be a Hussein Bolt or a Carl Lewis, you're talking about the upper the echelons. Yeah. yeah. And even if you're a great fast runner, you can probably take all the drugs in the world. You're still not going to be a Hussein Bolt. Yeah. And it's like right. with bodybuilding. Yes, there's that broad spectrum where you can probably train and get a good physique, take gear, and maybe be a great state-level competitor. And that might be as far as you go. Yeah. Or you might get to the pro level even, but then you might not be a great pro to go on the yeah. Olympia stage, but you might be good in some of the smaller shows. So yeah. you just got to be realistic because it's weird with bodybuilding because, you know, we've all got friends that probably play golf on the weekends or play golf and have fun or play tennis for fun, but they're not – I've got friends that play tennis. They're not saying, I'm going to beat fucking Nadal. I'm going to Wimbledon. They do it for fun. But for some reason, 95% of every dickhead that goes into the gym and jabs himself, I'm going to be fucking huge. I'm going to be Mr. Olympia. And like you said, when I say I'm taking four or 500, they sit there going, fucking bullshit. I'm taking 2,000 and you're bigger than me. So you've got to be taking more. That's the mentality they have. But And trying to get it through the head, it's like, I'm not saying this to lie. I'm trying to tell you that, okay, if you're going to use it, you don't need that much. So who's to say what's safe? But I'd hope that taking 300 or 400 is probably safer for you than taking three grams at test or something like that. So, yeah. But, you know, 
different levels affect different people. I know, depending on your genetic makeup, but still, yeah. you just don't need these amounts that they're taking. How old are you, Nelly? Fifty. Fifty. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing? Like you still, you still look great because, like, I've lost. That's my lighting. <laughs> no, it's the, yeah, it's the angle. No, but seriously, you still look great. So, like, are you still? <laughs> just go sideways the whole interview. No, are you? Um, <laughs> what are you? Are you still taking anything, or are you full natural? Are you TRT? Or no, I take. Um, I take. Well, at the moment, I take one milk. Before I was using sip, I was doing three hundred milligrams every like eight days. Yeah. At the moment, I probably just take one mil of sus two fifty. But I'm like you, like you said on your podcast, yeah. I'll load it up and sit it there. And I'll walk in, I'm like, can't be bothered. And the day I get it, I still hate shots. This is me to this day. To this day, I'll get here, I'm like, one, two, <laughs> one, two. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. and as soon yeah. as I it goes in, I don't push it right in. I put the tip in, then I'm like really <laughs> slow. And I'm like, ow, ow, <laughs> ow. I've hit something. And then I start pushing it in. Oh, it hurts. It's burning. Uh, it's yep. burning. Uh, yep. And I'll pull it out and blood comes out. Well, the first time, like I said, when I started doing the transformation with Dave like a few months ago now and I put up those photos where I look really crap, all hairy, I'm thinking, oh, fuck. Well, when I sent those photos to Dave when he said do a transformation, I think, okay, I'll send him the befores and he'll put them up at the end, you know, when yeah. I'm finished. Yeah. I'll get out of bed the next morning. I'm like, what the They're fuck? They're <laughs> And I fucking had the shittiest sliding. I'm not shy. Yeah. I didn't even pump up. I took them before bed. I'm yeah. like... He's like, I can take them down. I said, Dave, they're fucking already gone all over the internet. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was only using it, but even then, I think, okay, I'm going to go back on it. And the very first day I got it and took a shot again, oh, it fucking hurt. I'm like, I'm fucking over this shit. I just yeah. don't fucking. And this is the funny thing where, like, when Paul Delet left his wife, he lived with me for eight months. We'd all heard the rumors, Paul's this genetic freak. He's got to be taking shit. But we'd be the same thing. We'd sit on the couch. Yeah, he, loved, he loved Clem more than anything. He'd be like, Oh, son, turn the air up. Oh, he goes, I'm burning up. You'll be fucking sweating from the clean bureau because you hated doing cardio. <laughs> but we'd have, we'd have like the fucking, that fucking shitty fruit bowl sitting on the coffee table. We'd have like load up a syringe each and we'd like put it there. Oh, son, have you had your shot yet? I'm like, no, nah, can't be bothered. He's like, me either. And he'd be sitting there for days. And like I said, the most I ever saw poor take growth wise, the most ever was 16 I used because yeah. he just had it in the thing once. He goes, oh, fuck it. But generally, it was only taken. It was only taken four to six, and yeah. I used to ask Paul too the same thing about gurus. I said, "Why?" I said, "Paul, you're so big and freak." I said, "Why do you have Chad help you?" He goes, "I'm honest." He goes, "I'm lazy." He goes, "I don't want to think about what I have to eat. I don't yeah. want to think about what I have to take." And on the fridge there, he had look. I just come over here and go. Chad said, "Me or two, eat this. I just eat that." Yeah, and this yeah. sort of thing. But but Paul was one of the laziest people. Like I remember coming home once. And he flew some girl in. I walk upstairs. I had to pass his room to go to my room. And he's snoring his head off. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just see? This was before, like, one of the Iron Man shows. He's fucking poor, laying spread out on the bed, no clothes on. And the fucking poor girl that he's flown in, sitting on the edge of the bed with a bucket of water, shaving him while he's fucking sleeping. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you lazy fucking cunt. That's <laughs> like, fucking awesome. No, oh, she's shaving his body. And then before the '98 Olympia, when I discovered those Edamons fat-free cakes. Yeah, these are like the best thing ever. They were moist chocolate but cake, they all had zero the, fat. The, the sugar, alcohol in them, and shit. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Were, okay. We started eating them. Paul's like, oh, son, get me one. I'm like, okay. So up and do the show, eating one every couple of days. 
And as the show's getting closer, I'll go buy two, four, come down. Son, have you eaten yours? I'm like, yes. He goes, well, I'll eat mine. He starts eating it. Towards the end of the show, I'm just going outside and throwing mine in the garbage bin thinking, oh, no. I'm going to beat this cunt one way or another. So I'll just buy him four chocolate cake every couple of days. That's fucking <laughs> awesome. Holy shit, man. Uh, yeah, I swear, yeah, it's, like, it's funny when people it's funny when people think about pro bodybuilders and how they act and then they hear some of the real shit it's just shocking uh, well paul was lazy too when it came to back then we, we had like hot skins and body alive and stuff and yeah. we're always getting different cars and we came in from the gym one day and he parked in the garage i said i'm gonna do some laundry do you want to do some he's like no nah. he goes to the trunk of his car takes off his sweaty top throws it in there gets out a clean one so every week Generally, he'll just take his sweaty clothes and go dump them and just go get a whole lot of new clean clothes from Body Alive. What the fuck? <laughs> he, wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't fucking do anything. It's oh, like, wow. I'll come downstairs one morning and the lights are off. I've had to do cardio on the bike. I'm like, what the fuck's that? I turned the light on. I'm like, Paul, he goes, oh, yes, son. He goes, I think I spilt some sauce down there. I forgot to clean it up. I'm oh. fucking walking through. Oh, he was funny. But well, how, oh, long yeah, you, how long did you live with How long did you live with Paul Dillette? Uh, he stayed with me for about eight months. How did that And then happen? it was funny because why did he? Uh, I think because he left his wife. He got in trouble being a naughty boy and uh, needed somewhere to go. And Chris was like, "You're not coming here." And that's so. Uh, Lee, everyone used to say Lee's racist. It's like <laughs> yeah. I, I took Paul in, and then even Melvin's like, "He can say Lee's racist because Melvin, when he got his pro card, he didn't have much money, so he'd come over and I'd be giving Melvin food out of the cupboard and giving him supplements and shit yeah. like that." Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of fun times back then, and Gary Stride, and we used to have lunches a lot at the firehouse. Gary was so germaphobic, like that Howie Mendel. Really? People would come in, hey, Gary, he'd be like, oh, don't touch me, bro, I'm eating. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had Victor Richards yeah. come in one day. I yeah. thought there was going to be a fight. Gary's there, and Victor, Victor's a nice guy, but he could be, you never know what Victor Richards you're going to get on any given day. Mm-hmm. Gary and I at the back of the fire, he just comes and looks over at Gary and just starts yelling out, Your people killed my people. Rah, rah, rah. Gary's like, What, bro? He goes, Nothing to do. He goes, In South Africa, you white people killing my people. And I'm like, Gary's Holy like, fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, was, I want to um, ask you. So before you go, I wanted to talk to you about car racing because I, I love cars. Uh-huh. And you have an older Mustang classic. I think it's a 68, 69? 70. 70 okay you have a 70 and it's something it's you take it to car shows and stuff correct yeah and i just i just went to look at it i should get it back today or tomorrow i just had it like a new clean the car beyond it new distributor cap and leads and shit and i was telling the guys there yesterday i said i can't believe it that i've won two trophies with this car i just sit beside the car in a park eating fucking hot dogs <laughs> and i win trophies i'm like who fucking knew all these years i've been killing myself for trophies all i needed was a nice car so let's uh see here let me see if i can do this <clears throat> okay let's see if you can i don't know if this helps at all but let's what car is this lee That's priest car corner. What? wait what's lee priest car corner i was thinking about doing this you started i don't like know a, you started like a car channel no that's not mine I've never seen that myself. That's a Holden Malou. When I moved back home, yeah, that because I had my last car was a Corvette. They had a Corvette motor in them, so it's like they call it a Ute. Okay. And then is that your Corvette? That was one I used to race. Yes. So okay, 
you're you're into cars explain this to me how did you get into car racing because i want to get into car i want to get into car racing i was actually at a i went to used to go down to the local track irwindale and that guy near the corvette greg smith we just got talking and he was doing road racing type stuff and i went road racing with him and did the navigating for a while and done a couple of races then i navigated for john schneider we became good friends what, you know, john schneider, what does it mean when you say navigated what does that you know mean? when you sit there going left turn such and such you know out of a oh okay well you're not you're just sitting there giving the instructions slow i didn't down, know they had speed. that so you're you're sitting in the race car with the race car driver yeah and yeah like they do it in rallies and stuff there used to be oh. it was outside of vegas it was like 90 miles of freeway and that through the canyons yeah. and it's like a timed race it's almost like a bracket race you're doing drag racing okay so we'd do the 125 mile an hour class but you could go up to speeds of 175 yeah. but from start to finish you had to average 125 the whole distance and whoever was closest to that one we won that three times Wow. The only time I got fourth was when, you know, John Schneider from Dukes of Hazard, Bo Duke and Smallville. Yeah. We became good friends. So I used to go to his place every weekend and we'd take the general lead down to the donut shop with that horn on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. But yeah, navigated in the general lead. We went racing in that. Yeah, but I got into it through him. And then at an expo once, Rod Fuller, who used to race Top Fuel, he was a fan of mine. He's like, Lee, do you like drag racing? I said, well, I like it, but I don't know anyone in it. So for two years, I followed him around, yeah. drove his cars, went and got my license in that. And that's the weirdest thing, because I did like the road racing and the circle track. Yeah. And I think, fuck, driving a car in a straight line, that's going to be fucking easy as. Oh, but I'm thinking, fuck, at those speeds, it's like the hardest thing when you've got that like butterfly handle, when it takes off, you're pulling five Gs, and it's like negative five when you hit the parachute. But when it takes off, you want to, do this yeah. but if you hold too tight at those speeds any little movement you're fucking so it's like you got 20 things you got to do with fuel shut offs and this and that and the first time you do it it's like a fucking blur you only go a little bit to the track and that's where you get your yeah. license but when you first do your first pass it's like fuck that was a blur <laughs> you know you're so doing a... is it really is it really mach 5 yeah 5g's when you or take sorry, off sorry yeah. mach 5 5g's mm. so that's why sometimes you when you see people get out of these drags, sometimes I'd see comments when I used to read them. They get the trolls too. Yeah. Why are they so out of breath? It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, you got five times your body weight like this. <laughs> what is that? What does that feel like? Like, had you driven well, anything? It's so, even... so quick. It's like in five and a half seconds, or if I did the super comp drags, that you could go anywhere from seven seconds on a quarter mile. But and they didn't pull that many G's into super comps. But it's like it's just so quick. It's just like, and it's so many... quick. It's almost. How many miles an hour would you get to, like in that quarter mile? Into alcohol, you'd get close into the 300s because you would go from the alcohol and the top fueler. The top fuelers, you could go from zero to 100 in 0.8 of a second. But wait so a minute. Just Are like, you talking miles per hour or kilometers? Miles. Kilometers, you'd be like 500 and something right, kilometers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you were doing 300 miles an hour by the time mm. you're done that quarter mile. Yeah. Holy Sometimes, fuck. yeah. In five seconds. Wow. So it's this like is... Being, like I said, my friend used to race jet cars and he wanted me to do them before I moved home. But the jet car is like a plane. That's the super comp dragster that used to. I got yeah. one of the alcohol dragster up there on the water, Valvoline one out of Vegas doing a burnout. You drove this? Yeah, that's the one I won my championship in and got rookie of the year. The first year I got rookie of the year, rookie of the year and finished third in the championship. The following year I figured, you know what, I'm just going to do every race I can. 
because it's like a point system. And did then, you, yeah. Did you get popular on the scene as like the muscular guy? It was funny, yes, because even um, Rod Fuller, who got me into it, he was like one of the top, top fuelers. And before I actually got into it, because I'd be at his trailer with him all the time, he's like, I fucking hate you, Lee. He goes, people come in here wanting your autograph. He goes, I'm the champion driver. I said, well, maybe because you got the helmet on, they don't recognize you all the time. But I'll I'll be signing more autographs than him. But I went to this race in Vegas once where he could win pretty good money. Say there's like 300 cars that have like a – you'd go say, I'm going to run seven seconds. And then – whoever got closest to their time or got their time and then reaction time would win. So it's like you put in like $50 to go, 300 cars, whoever gets it wins all the cash in Vegas. So I, halfway down, I'm sitting in line, someone's dialed in seven seconds and it's like 7.2. You're like, oh, fuck, no one's going to beat that and this and that. So I finally do mine. I take off the light, go, get down there. My friend's waiting at the timing booth. I said, how they go? He goes, you just pissed everybody off. I said, why? He goes, your reaction time is zero, 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 and you ran seven seconds dead on. Because you got the perfect fuck. run. So I won all the cash. So every How weekend they're it? like, and here comes Mr. Guns, who got the perfect run to on the weekend. How <laughs> is fucking your reaction time zero, zero, zero? Uh, it's a get to get a zero, zero, zero is just Luck a of fluke the draw. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you go quicker, anything up in the teens or under, you're pretty close to red lighting because it's, yeah. you know, if you got a, yeah. You got the trains brake button, and like I said, you can floor the car. This is in the Supercom dragster. You got the ex- thing planted with your finger on the button here. That's all that's holding it. So as soon as that light goes, you're like, Just and let it go. Off. Yeah, and you're gone. But it's like it's so weird because sometimes you could red light because if a car's running a slower time, they leave first. Yeah. And just sometimes automatically when they go, you want to go with them. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sitting there waiting, watching him go down the track, you're like, fucking change. Or some days you get out there on a cold day, you'll be sitting there. This was the worst thing. It clears up instantly, but you'll be sitting there and you're breathing in your helmet and that's fogging up. Like, fog Fuck, up. I can't see. Can't even see a fucking light. You start panicking, your heart's racing more. And all of a sudden, as soon as it takes off, it clears instantly. But it's just like some of the it's an adrenaline rush, that's for sure. But Is like this- I said, it's sometimes if you have the lap belt in the wrong spot and you pull the parachute, that's a jet car. My friend wanted me to do those. Is that you or no? No. Now, my friend Derek no. Snelson, he's a bodybuilding promoter from Alaska and Washington area. He runs two jet cars. I almost got into that. And then my other friend I met, he wanted me to do an F2 race boat before I come home. I am thinking boats might be a bit uh, iffy. Yeah, yeah. So anything many, on anything on anything on water is just like oof. How many vehicles have you owned, Lee? If you had to guess, <laughs> I know it's probably hard to guess, but if you had to guess, put a number on it. Is that your Hummer? Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, I probably had I had four different type Hummers over the years, and then the thing was I had a Hummer. I just got a diesel one, and Arnold come to the gym one day with the new turbo diesel. He's like, "You want to take it for a drive?" I'm like, "No, no, no." I take it for a drive. I took it for a drive. I come back to you, fucking asshole. So a week later, I went and traded mine for the turbo diesel because it made such a big difference. So, but are you then, like- yeah, I, I, I had Corvettes. I had Dodge Vipers. I had the Dodge Viper truck when it came out. So, as and an Austra- I- as an Australian, you were more of a fan of the American cars than you were the European. Yeah, because cars here, yeah, if you look at car prices in Australia, yeah. that new Corvette now in America is like what fifty odd thousand base price. Yeah. Here it starts at 160, but that's wow. if you can get it. They're already sold. 
people are buying them if you can get one at 160 but i just saw one sell the other day for 230,000 just yeah. for the base it's like that cars yeah. In a, yeah yeah cars are like whatever it is in america pretty much quadruple the price here so yeah. here here they change cars as often my last car before the 70 was a 2020 mustang which i put the whipple supercharger on it it was like 875 horsepower and that Nice. And I'm like one day. As soon as I've done a car up, I'm like I'm bored now. My wife's like, "That's you how I am." My wife fucking hates me because she's oh, like, "I'll get something, I'll mm-hmm. modify the fuck out of it, and then when it's just the way I want it, I'm like, okay." And I do she's exactly like, the same. She's like, "You just fucking made it the way you want to. Why are you getting rid of it?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Because I want to do the next one now." Exactly. There's nothing more I can do to it. It's like <laughs> <laughs> my wife's the same. I always say to my wife, "Do you like this car?" She's like. No, because I'm not going to, as soon as I start to like it, you change it. But yeah. that's how I talked her into this 1971. I said, well, this one's an investment because that's it's true. never going to depreciate. It's only going to go up. She's like, yeah. and it, I took it for a drive. And she's like, actually, I like this one out of all of them. So, yeah. you know. Well, the 70, the 70, you're probably not going to do anything to, right? Because you want it to stay no, classic. No. Well, like I said, it was on the dyno the other day. I think it's around three, just over 350 horsepower, 780 torque. And, just the look of it and the sound. For some reason, it's like I was explained to the guy, the newer Mustangs sound good, but it sounds more exhaust. Yeah. Those older classic cars actually sound like more the car. Wherever, yeah. wherever it's the metal body or something about them, they just have that yeah. real. And I said, just cruising around in that thing, I have the Wick number plate on it because it looks just like John Wick's car. So yeah, yeah, yeah. people go, look at this fucking wager. I think it's John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> I fit my, fit my gray fucking staffy on the seat beside me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you you just got a couple. Listen, I want to ask you. There's a couple other things. I know we're we're going from thing to thing to thing, but there's so much <laughs> there's so much shit in your life. I want to ask you about. It's like, it's like my brain. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> how many times have you been married? I'm on my fifth marriage. <laughs> no, are you? I'm a lover. I'm like I'm like I'm like that show like um Benji. You know, when a little dog comes to town, he helps the family, then he moves on. <laughs> it's like so you treat well, your women. Figured... You treat your women like you treat your cars. You're like you fix them up. Yeah, you want, that's you right. Want are you good now? Are you good now? Here's, here's some furniture. Here's some money. Here's a house. Fuck off. I figured next time, that was like that comedian said, next time rather than get married, just find someone you really fucking hate and can't stand and just give them half your shit to begin that's with. That's right. Yeah. Start out that way, yeah. So five marriages. Yes, yes. I'm an expert was, on marriage. What was the longest one? <laughs> five years. What was the shortest? Generally, I hit the five-year mark and I'm like, okay. Good enough. What was that? What was the shortest one? Eleven months, almost twelve. Oh, really? But the thing was, though, it's like the couple that I broke up with were like in the beginning because I was making good money, and I meet them. They had jobs. They'd come live with me, and then it got to the point where, like, okay, you don't really need to work. So if you just help me do stuff, like maybe do a couple of meals here or there, or you know, when I travel and do seminars, you can come with me, so you get to travel the world, so you got the life. They're like, great. But then it got to the point where I come home. Oh, where's lunch? Oh, get it yourself. I'm like, mm. but you're doing nothing all day. So when, I, when I started feeling like yeah. you've been taken advantage of, you know, when dinner time comes and then oh, here's a bowl of cereal, I'm like, well, fuck, I can do this myself. I don't now really fucking need to do you, I, so. Now I know why you hate sandwiches. Now I get it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so... Let me ask, how long were you bef- were you with these women before you married them? Are you like one of those people who's like, oh, I'm in love with you after a month, I want to get married? Or is it yeah. like a couple? Yeah. Yeah. I've always been that way. Even when I was 
17. Oh, when I was 13 years old, I was with an 18-year-old for three years. Yeah. I've never really, I've never, as crazy as I am, I've never had a one-night stand, but well, okay. not with a woman anyway. I've never except had a one-night stand. Except for that guy. <laughs> except for that guy. Yeah. I, mean. yeah. Yeah. I never slept with a gay guy, but I slept with a guy that has. So. Yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've never, um, I always prefer to be in a relationship. I, I'd have friends like, yeah, I'd say other bodybuilders play the field. I'm like, that's just too much fucking stress doing that. I just, I'd rather be in a nice relationship where things are calm and it's just everything's good and stuff like that. And even my wife before the Rachel I'm with now, when I got with her, it was when I was prepping for the universe. Mm-hmm. When I made the comeback, it was after seven years off. And I said, oh, she, you know, she had four kids. And people were like, what? You're going to date a girl with four fucking kids? Because you know when I was getting ready for the universe, being with the IFB, now going NABBA, I was putting so much pressure on myself. I was stressing myself out. So when I met her with the kids and they moved down, I said, yeah, it's a distraction, but it was a good one because now when I wasn't at the gym, I wasn't thinking about the contest at my next meal. I was playing with the kids and that. Yeah. That was probably the best shape i ever been in when I won the universe because yeah. I wasn't so tunnel vision where it's got to eat at this time, train at this time, worrying about how I'm going to look. I said, oh, fuck going to nabba even if you look good and get second people are going to be like oh you washed up you fucking suck you look like a yeah. fucking idiot <laughs> so, yeah, yeah yeah but yeah so yeah it's like a yeah you know, i just sort of yeah i've always this... just preferred relationships like i said i can't do the one can't night stand just... to play can't you just be in a relationship? like i said my life the wife i'm with now i told the story on the circus how she scented me like you know we've been talking for a couple of weeks i hadn't even seen a picture i met her on plenty of fish out of all places yeah because she knew a guy who was in the bodybuilding, and yeah. so she sort of heard of Lee Priest and saw photos through him. So I got this message once: "Who the fuck do you think you are, being Lee Priest?" And that I'm like, "I am Lee Priest." She goes, "Oh yeah, fuck off, whatever." So I sent a picture going, "Hi." So she's like, "Oh, you are too." So we got talking. I hadn't seen her, so now I'm thinking, "This is my mates. They know yeah. I'm on plenty of fish, and so now they're <laughs> fucking with me." So I was like, yeah. and then she finally sent a picture, and I'm thinking. Up until this point, the pictures I got, nothing against women, but they were sort of big, fat, you know, there's like yeah. the ones you sometimes get on plenty of fish to free dating sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when she sent me this picture and she was pretty, I'm like, now I know it's my mates because no pretty girl has sent me a yeah. picture before. Yeah. Yeah. So we got talking and I think I was coming back from an appearance in England. And she's like, why don't you just stop at my place on the way home from the airport? I'm like, oh, this could be this could be one of these trolls who's finally going to fucking get me at 1 a.m. in the yeah. morning. I'm going to yeah, walk yeah. into a house. So I walk in. It's all dark. It's like 1 a.m. And she comes out in a little T-shirt. And then I'm like, hi, and we're cuddling that. And I'm like, oh, I've been polite. Uh, I don't feel too good. I mean, I didn't want to have sex. I'm like, yeah. But then we got the bed. And, oh, I feel better now. So, <laughs> But then she told me before I come over, this is what she did. She fingered herself, right? And then she rubbed it on her neck because she read that, you know, the pheromone. She goes, That's I got you. She scented you. Yeah. Because she heard with witchcraft, you know, you finger yourself and then you put it on the neck. So when I hugged her and put the. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the same night I told that story in the circles, remember that as I'm laying in her bed, I put my hand under the pillow and there's a fucking knife. I'm like, Oh, fuck, what have I got myself into here? So during the sex that we're having, she pulls it out and she's riding me. I'm there like this and she's got this fucking combat knife on her. She goes, I want you to cut me. I'm like, huh? I want you to cut me. She goes, I've asked many guys to do it and they never have. I'm like, Phew. take the knife and I'm like, Phew. 
and I fucking cut her across there. It starts bleeding. And I'm like, oh, oh fuck. Am I, am I done? And she goes, it just goes, I love you. I'm like, okay, I love you too. Well, you got the fucking knife. But then that's when it came out with, she goes, you know what I'd really want? I'd like you to stab me. I'm like, oh. So what do you mean? She goes, and when I when she described it to me, like stab, she goes, no, she goes, not deep, but like make a pocket. Make like a pocket in the skin, and I want you to fuck that hole. I want you to go somewhere no one's ever been before. I'm like, what well, this fucking this is like Star Trek or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> go where no man's been. I said, uh, okay, but I said, but let's just say that happens and I go too deep and I fucking and come in it and I gotta take it to the hospital. You know, we can say you slipped on a knife, but how do I explain the semen in the hole? <laughs> <laughs> but after all this, I think two months later, we're married and we've been together for almost four years now. So okay, I finally wait. met someone, hey, wait, wait, met wait, someone wait. crazy. Wait, wait, <laughs> Fucking wait, please. This is insane. Okay. Lee, this hey, is... I hear you talking to Roman. Some of Roman's stories, I'm like, Oh, no. I got Roman beat. And, and she actually asked me, if we go back to the marriage thing, I was coming home on another flight and she had this big proposal set up and she's at the gate waiting and people see she's got the ring. I get off the plane. First thing I say is, i got to take a piss really bad. <laughs> and I fucking walk up. Everyone's like, what happened? What proposal? <laughs> so it didn't happen that day. I was cooking a dinner one day and I'm in the kitchen. I'm at the stove and I go to the sink and I turn around. And she's on her knees and she pulls my pants down and starts blowing me and goes, will you marry me? I'm like, yes, but the steak's burning. <laughs> oh, my God. Lee, what the fuck is wrong? That's how she proposed. She proposed by blowing me in the kitchen while I was cooking steak. I don't know whether to congratulate you or... <laughs> Commiserate? Yeah. So... If I ever go missing, you know, yeah, check the wife. No, but listen. Wife. So my question is this. The first mm -hmm. time you meet this girl... Yeah, I don't understand how you get from that to I'll marry you. Like, if that happened to me, I'd be like, I can't ever see this girl again. <laughs> well, it comes to a point in your life. It comes to a point in your life where you're like, you know what? I've had the normal ones. I've had the normal. Yeah. Maybe this is my type of crazy that I. <laughs> well, it seems to be working. You're four years in. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we've never had an argument. We never have a fight. We just stay at home. We got the dogs now. We. It's so because we're so opposite too. Like she's not into training at all. Like yeah, some weekend she could be a two bottle of tequila girl on the weekend. Is that normal for you though? Is like the previous marriages were they fitness girls? Yeah, or well, Kathy was into it. Kathy was. Oh, I know Kathy was. Yeah. yeah, and then I was with Adela for a couple of years. Adela Garcia. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, like, and then even some of the other ones were into training, not like yeah. competing wise, but they went to the gym. Whereas Rachel just not. She's happy to smoke and drink tequila so <laughs> i feel like that's better i honestly feel like it's better because like my wife my wife doesn't really train and she you know she's done a couple mm -hmm. shows a long time ago but like, oh, yeah. I, I, feel like I, it's, I feel like it's easier for us because she understands my life but she doesn't want to be part of like i still get to do my own thing yeah you know? so yeah, that's what like, she said too she likes it because yeah, i got my thing i go to the gym and do whatever i'll come home and she'll be a few like on the weekends for instance i'll go to the gym at 5 a.m i'll come home at 7 a.m and she's already fucking three tequilas in. I like breakfast. <laughs> but All right. I had a girl before that. I had a girl before that who was I almost got married to. And she was the first one because I never drank. I never did drugs. So um, this was 2000, just before 
2011 or 12, she introduced me to cocaine. Bad mistake that was back in the day. Yeah. I'm thinking, at this age now, why am I doing fucking cocaine? Yeah. But this girl, I ended up, I ended up, oh, some of the stuff I did with her, like here's one instance with her even. We're in a hotel room doing this shit. I want to have sex. I can't. I'm on my period. I'm like, so it's blood. We can pretend you're a virgin. That's fun. Let's just play the game. <laughs> so, you know, when you get fucked up, you just don't know what you're doing. I go yeah. down on that. Oh, I grab no. that. I grab that string with my teeth and I pull oh. it out. I go back up, kiss her, and we're swapping the full tampon back and forth no. in our mouth. No. And then I take it out and I squeeze the blood out of the tampon over her nipples and I'm licking it off. And then it's like, this is what drugs do. Like, it's like I told that story before. The last time I really did it, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I was sitting at home alone, single. I was going through a single stage. So I got the coke here. I'm like, what can I do? I'm going to watch porn. So I put porn on the big screen. I got my cat sitting there. It's fucking judging the fuck out of me, this cat, because when I'm on the coke, something don't you look at me like that. I'm watching the porn. I'm fucking yelling at the TV like you do. You take it, you fucking whore, you dirty bitch. I'm like, oh, this is getting better now. So I go sit on the floor, take my pants off. I get the lube. And now I'm doing more coke. And you know, as you do coke, it just, it's like, it's gone. Oh, no, it's back, it's gone. Yeah. I'm like, how do I fix this? And I'm sitting there looking at my shoes. Fuck, I got it. Fucking shoelace. I get the fucking shoelace out of my shoe. Oh, no. I, I tie one off. end around the, tie one end around my fucking knob, and I tie the other end of the coffee table leg. So I stretch it out like this. <laughs> so now, this is the image that you never want. Me sitting on the floor naked. Cock tied to the coffee table, coke on the table, me watching porn, loop here, cat there, and I'm stroking it. You know, like a barber fucking <laughs> clean. That's me. Stroking like this. And then I just crack up laughing. I think to myself, fuck. Imagine if this is how it ends. Imagine if I die and your right now. Tied, and your dick's tied to a coffee table. And this is how my mum my mom finds oh. me. <laughs> My, my mom, my mom walks in, and here I am tied off to the fucking coffee table, coke Gee, and porn. What the and she'll, fuck? she'll be having she'll be having cups of tea with her lady friends. I go, oh, your son passed away. How'd that happen? Explain that one. Yeah. What the <laughs> so fuck, bring, man? I, I just can't do this anymore. This is fucking ridiculous. But I had the biggest laugh, and I'm thinking of even the I'm picturing the ambulance people coming in, going, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> That's why every time, every now, if you ever see people make comments, they go like. Hey Lee, you got any shoelaces? And that's why now look, I wear I wear Velcro. Yeah, yeah, no shoelaces. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> safer. <laughs> so you never drank. So you never drank, smoked. No. Do you ever smoke you smoke cigarettes, smoke weed? No. I tried a cigarette once when I was probably twelve and I coughed my guts up and I'm thinking, how the fuck do you get addicted to this? Like if it tasted like chocolate or something, I'm thinking chocolate. I could probably do it. But no, and then Alcohol, I always hated the taste. Like if you – I tried to drink with her once and I was in the kitchen doing shots. I'm just holding yeah. – <laughs> doing this. Yeah. And as soon as I taste it, I'm fucking gagging and I'm fucking dry reaching. But cocaine was good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I tried – Oh, her and I, her sister once give us those fucking trips, you know, like the little bit of cardboard, the LSD shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her sister goes, they're very strong. I only take half. Okay, we get home. Here you go. I said, didn't your sister take half? She knows about this. Ah, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, no. I take it. The next thing I'm like, 
Oh, it ain't feel good. The fucking room starts going. All of a sudden, I'm seeing these multicolored fucking spider webs. I'm like, oh, this is shit. I can't do it anymore. And then my muscles start spasming. This is going on for hours now. I go to the toilet. I think I got to sit down as I'm sitting on the toilet. I'm lifting my feet up. She comes and she goes, "What's going?" On? I said, "The fucking floor's coming up. Watch out!" <laughs> I said, "I'll go back to the lounge room." And it's just, and I said, "I." She, she still says that thing. She goes, "Remember, I'm a dirty mud pig." I said, "Why do you call yourself a dirty mud pig?" She goes, "You don't remember? You were saying that you had to go off and save the fucking universe, and I couldn't come because I'm a dirty mud pig, and I had to stay back on Earth." What? And then I go to the toilet and I come out. I'm like, guess what? I'm a fucking Navajo Indian. She's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm taking a piss. And there's this big fucking wolf in the toilet talking to me, telling me I'm a fucking Indian. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm on the couch again. The muscles are twitching. I said, you better call your sister. This ain't fucking right. And she's like, yeah, Lee's really tripping out because she doesn't really see much. She goes, I must just be black, but I'm fucking... Yeah, she, the sister goes, how long has it been going? She's like, oh, about four hours. Oh, he's got at least another three hours to go yet. Oh, no. So I'm like, fucking get me the phone. I'm like, hey, do you have any cocaine? And I call my friend up. He brings it over. I start doing cocaine. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm okay. They cleared it up? Sobered you yeah. up? Holy yeah. Holy shit, man. <laughs> oh, Wait, my God. Fast, it's like the first dude. time I ever tried MDMA. I thought, well, I'll give that a go, too. But lucky I've never done the hard stuff like heroin. I would never go yeah. there, but. I tried MDMA, and the first time I took that, I'm just laying on the bed with the missus, and I'm like, oof, And she's like, just go with it, don't fight. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go with it. <laughs> and I'm, my heart's fucking pounding. I'm laying there. I must have just zoned out. So I looked at the thing. It's like, say it was 11 o'clock, and I look back down. It's 3 o'clock. I'm like, and I get off the bed. It's like the Shroud of Turin. It's just sweat. I mean, I was just fucking yeah. sweat everywhere. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Okay, like I've experienced it, but I'm thinking, how do fucking people do this all the time and find it fun? It's like maybe once in a blue moon the coke was okay, but I'm thinking, I've never had an addictive personality. Even like when it came to the steroids, I'd rather be off them than on them. Yeah. And people are like, well, you're a bodybuilder, you love taking them. I said, no, I don't. I took them because it was a necessity to get ready for a show and shit like that. But I never had that mentality where I can't train without them or I can't do it without them. I could still train just as good. Some of my best lifts were when I was off the gear. So, I've never had an addictive personality, but and then I'll do it like, you know, that once every six months we'll come around, okay, I'll get on the coke again, I'll watch porn. That was the best time ever. But then that day or two later, I'm like, you're a fucking loser. Look at you, you're fucking this. What they call it, Suicide Tuesday. You're just oh, hating life. God. You're fucking, oh, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> so we are, we've covered so much. We have to get to the speed round. Is a sandwich a hot dog? Is no. a hot dog a sandwich? No. Fork or spoon? Fork. Fork? But you're, you know you're going to lose this debate. You're going to disappoint a lot yeah. of people. Bodybuilders love the spoon. Yeah, spoons for desserts, cereal, and stuff like that. That's what fork I said. Is for, fork is for normal people who eat normal food. Even rice, you can... And these, the same ones that say a spoon, they're the same cunts that go to fucking sushi and try to eat chopsticks, the fuckwits. <laughs> oh, no, i got to be all ethnicity. I'm at a fucking Japanese restaurant. I always I'm like, chopsticks. wait a minute, would I go use <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you don't do it, do you? When you I don't go use to sushi, I use chopsticks. No, wanker. <laughs> oh, it, just, it, it feels do like... Do you ever use them at home? No, but it home? feels like if you're in the restaurant, yeah, you should, yeah. you should, yeah. you should uh, yeah. act accordingly. 
Okay, so then if you go to a swingers club and you see people, uh, uh, I don't uh, go to sw- I don't go to swingers clubs. <laughs> well, if you ever do, if, if I did, I would do what they did. If you're yeah. in a position where a guy's mouth goes down at him, well, I'm going to act accordingly. <laughs> it's only gay if you're gay. <laughs> Mr. Chopsticks. Fuck. We, we uh, there's so much more I wanted to ask you, but like. <laughs> Oh, you've been going. You've only touched the top tip of the iceberg. I know, man. Holy shit! Um, we've been going for a couple hours now. Ever, maybe, oh, I'll yeah. just, <laughs> maybe I'll just get you back on, and we'll uh, we'll cover more stuff. Because I want to kind of go. I want to kind of go in depth. Like, there's there's other stuff I want to talk to you about because I know you've mentioned you've had a lot of commentary about coaches. And how mm-hmm. athletes athletes don't need coaches. And I know Ian used to get mad apparently about that, but I was actually seriously asking the question was because I've never had a coach, and I'd always see Ian get Chris ready, for instance. Like you know, Chris yeah. looked great every year. Every year, Chris improved, and he won the Olympia. So just my way of thinking. I was not doing it to be an asshole or anything, because I know yeah. Ian goes, oh, at least but I'd be like, if Ian can get Chris in that such good shape, why can't he get himself in? That because I shape. think because I, I I think this is the this is the thought process, mm-hmm. and I I mean obviously you know you've done a million shows maybe you don't feel the same yeah. way though but for me for example I know when I get to the like the four week mark when the diet gets as yeah. hard as it, you know as it gets harder and harder as you get into the show mm-hmm. you start to look at yourself with like kind of a irrational eye oh yeah mm-hmm. you know oh I'm flat today but you're not really flat you're just fucked up yeah. and you, you, oh, you always think you look you always think you look shit yeah. yeah so I think sometimes the thought process for a lot of these guys is. I'll give this guy the reins mm-hmm. and I can just focus on doing instead of focus on thinking. And I used to say, I used to say like, it's good. Like I said, even with the other, I said, I understand having like a great training partner to motivate you and having someone there to look at you. But I always used to say, well, no one really knows your body better than you because I was always under the impression, like say you come to me and said, Lee, I want you to help me get ready. I'd be like, okay, here's some food, go eat it. Here's a training. Here's some gear. Yeah. Now, I don't really know your body, so I'm just throwing this out there to begin with. Sure. Now, I'm going to come back and say how you feel and how you're looking. Okay, take this in, take that out. And I'm thinking, well, really, over the years, we've done that ourselves, so we really know. But it's like I said, I'd say that sometimes I think I have more belief in these people than they do themselves because I do know that last few weeks, I remember doing a photo shoot at World Gym, and I was on the balcony doing a video with Artie Zeller. And I had to wear a tank top and I looked in the mirror and I went, oh, fuck this. I'm going to pull out of the show. I just look like fucking shit. But it comes up, pops up on YouTube every now and then. I'm like, fuck, I look good then. But I remember that day to the T, I thought I looked like the fucking. But that's, but that's my point, right? You can't, yeah. you don't have a really rational eye when you're coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not that, look. But can't I think, can't I Chris think if, look at Ian and go, Ian, stop it. You look great. Well, I think if, put, I think listen, I think if push came to shove, Ian could definitely probably coach himself, but I can also probably point to a handful of examples where you've seen guys that tried to coach themselves and then get a coach and see a drastic difference. Mm. I mean, look, I'll give you, Mm. I'll give you a great example. Look at Samson, Samson, Samson Dowda was working with his wife. They were working together. They did a great job. They were, they got to like a pretty high level, Mm. but you know, when I signed Samson, I said, Hey, maybe you guys need to look at, you know, working with John, John can help you or look at another coach. And then when John took over, he made a, a jump, and then unfortunately John passed, so he went to Milos. Mm-hmm. But his body has dramatically changed yeah. in, in, in a year or two. So <clears throat> there are a number of situations I think you can point to where either the athlete doesn't have the right diet or they don't necessarily have a rational eye when they're in the middle of a prep. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it comes down to laziness. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's laziness. I think it's more, like I said, having that belief in yourself and then, like you said, going to do like, I know, for instance, with my daughter, she wanted me to help her get ready for her first show and I'd say, okay, do this, do that. Oh, I don't like that. I don't want to eat that. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that exercise. So I said, okay, go see this guy, Steve. I know he preps lots of people, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to see him. I say, show me the thing. Oh, she's good. followed to a tea. This is great. I'm like, that's exactly what I told Same you to do, but because Same shit. <laughs> because I'm the dad, I'm the father, I don't yeah. want to do it. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's the same thing. So, yeah, hey, I said, it's more, I said, I always tell people, bodybuilding itself, yes, it's hard physically, you know, with the diet, I mean, the training and that, but I said, bodybuilding is, I reckon, 100 times harder mentally, especially when you're in contest prep mode. I said, to 100%. me, training was easy. Cardio, I hated it, but I always did it because you had to do it, but yeah, the mental side was always the worst than the physical side. Like I said, those head games where, like you said, you feel like you don't look good, but you do look good. And then mm-hmm. I always call that last week, the Hocus Pocus week, where you see guys two or three weeks out looking fantastic, like they're going to win the Olympia. I remember seeing pictures of Dennis James in the day, you're like, he's going to win. Yeah. And then they walk on stage, you're like, what happened? Even ruling was sometimes you see pictures of ruling, like he's going to win. What happened? That last week, you always figure, yeah, if okay. I just cut this out, maybe I can get a little bit harder. If I just add this, maybe I can get and yeah. generally, like I said, when your body's used to eating a certain way, that's why I, the only thing I did the last week was cut down on my water, pretty much tan up and pump up. I kept my food exactly the same. Yeah. I kept training up until the day before a show because I was under the belief for 16 weeks I've been eating a certain way every day, every time, same food. I've been taking the same gear pretty much the whole time. So I figured that last week, like I said, your body becomes like a fine-tuned machine. I mean, it's so fine-tuned that any little thing you do is a big, yeah, noticeable yeah. change. So I figured, why, guys, that last week, all of a sudden, some do little changes, but some go drastic to so the body. Drastic, like, yeah. yeah, like, what the fuck have you done? Yeah. And you go, you're looking great a week ago. What happened? It's like, because the body just goes into this shock. Do you think it has to do with pri- not just prize money, but money in general? Because... I think bodybuilding has evolved, and even if the prize money might not be is might not be more in a lot of the shows, mm-hmm. money in general in bodybuilding, I think has gotten has increased either uh, through guys' own social media, through YouTube, yeah. or through merchandise sales or whatever. I think guys are making more money now than before. So, mm-hmm. do you I mean, there's more avenues now. Yeah, and I'm wondering. I'm like, do you think that's part of the reason why a coach is valuable? Because they're like, look, I just need to be perfect all the time. So that mm-hmm. I can focus on making money and not have to worry about. Well, now, now like I said I could probably see it more because even like I said, when Paul Delette just said to me, he goes, Lee, it's just easier for me to, yeah. like I said, it takes that out of it. Where Paul goes, look, Lee, I walk over to the fridge, 400 grams of chicken, cup of rice, vegetables, yeah. this day, one cc of this. He goes, I don't have to think about it. Whereas I'd, I'd go to the fridge and go, what do I want for lunch today? Steak, chicken, and stand there for half an hour going, hmm, yeah. will I have the steak? Oh, fuck it. I'll just have a protein drink. So like, <laughs> that, that's how I would go through my diets like that. I'll just, you know, so, so if, if it was written out for me, sure, and make it a lot easier because you just go, okay, I have to eat this at this time and this much. Whereas I'll be like, I'll have a cup of rice and I'll be like, well, I'm still a bit hungry. Yeah. I'll go have a little bit more. Whereas if yeah. I know that's all I can eat, that's all yeah. I can eat. So. so, okay. Last thing I want to ask you how the fuck do you stay as lean as you do with all the shit I see you eating on the circles? So for those who don't I know, do. on, on the Telegram circles, <laughs> Lee is constantly eating ice cream, 
chocolate bars and he's not just showing them and like pretending to eat them. he's actually <laughs> eating them so i know he's eating them and i'm like how uh-huh. are you how are you not just like a fat slob well i'm still doing like i still probably roughly do two hours of cardio like treadmill wise a day and with treadmill and bike plus with the dogs now i walk them a bit more as an excuse but that's been backfiring because every time I walk the dogs in town, fucking Mr. Whippy's in fucking get and then driving home, I passed the hot dog place. I'm like, this is uh, fucking bullshit. I'm putting weight on. You know, yeah, but then um just doing that, but then like I said I do boxing a couple of times and that 30 minutes of like I said, anyone that's done any type of yeah. boxing type thing, I said, look, hard. cardio on the treadmill is hard and gets tiring, but 30 minutes of just hitting pads sparring hit the things a totally different level of (laughs) the difference between that is people in the bodybuilding world are used to keeping their heart rate between like 120 140 which is relatively Mm -hmm. easy like you can you could have your heart you could have your heart beating at 130 and still have a conversation and be relatively Mm -hmm. okay since i started jogging getting my heart rate up to 150 160 170 i'm like whoa this is fucking way different it's like Uh yeah so the boxing thing is the same like Hitting a bag I haven't for... noticed too with it. It's like I was saying when I did boxing yesterday. On well, this weekend, with you know the ice creams and shit, I put on six kilos over the week <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> and I said it's so funny because putting on six kilos and going to the gym lifting weights, I wouldn't even fucking notice it. Yeah. But just that six kilos, roughly twelve pounds, doing pad work yesterday. I mean, like my breathing was like it. fuck. I felt like oh. I felt like I was that unconditioned yesterday. I'm like, fucking yeah. hell. It's like sweat's pouring off me. I got one of those things I wear here, and on the screen it comes up. And when heart I'm doing rate. weights and that, yeah, heart rate thing, it comes up on the screen in the gym. I've only had lines since the beginning of July. I'm at 14,000 points. The next okay. person near me is like at 1,000. They're like, who the fuck's Lee Priest? <laughs> I'm winning something here. <laughs> but the thing was, I, I look up there, I'm doing weights. I'm doing leg press even. Yeah. I'm only in the blue, like 65%. When I'm doing the boxing, I'm in the red, 95%. It's, like, it's up yeah. there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your answer to – so people who say you can't out-train a Cardiac. bad diet. Yeah, you can't out-train a bad diet. You're, you can. Yes, you can. You can. <laughs> as long as you're prepared. As long two as you're hours prepared. Of, to, I don't know if it's worth it to eat ice cream every day to do two hours of cardio. Well, sometimes, like I said, where my wife works, it's like – 20 minute walk so i'll walk there say hello to her walk another block go to mcdonald's and then walk home so technically i'm cardio eating and then walking so the cardio you did burns off the mcdonald's that you're eating on the way home yeah you're just you're just trying to keep everything balanced exactly and the thing is though with me body fat wise it's a look i don't put on as quick but fluid like when i have like i i just blow up and it's like uh, Frank yesterday had those hot dogs and half a cake, and that this morning Frank's like, "Look at my face." It's like <laughs> I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a bad influence in the circles. You are a bad influence. <laughs> no, because whenever you fucking you start talking about shit, I'm like, "Well, fucking Lee's gonna do it. I'm gonna get a hot dog too." You're uh, well, a horrible that's why I like watching you when you're on the. That's why I like when you're on the podcast, even the other day. And who was it? Was it um Justin having a go? At what you're saying, yeah, you say you can't break the two. 60 or 50 mark because you keep eating fucking shit i I think to myself i know that feeling because i just start getting down looking good feeling good and then i go and binge like the other day i went to the store and they had all the chocolate bars on sale for 50 cents i'm like i'll just get a couple by the time i got to the checkout even the woman's like well you got enough i'm like 
Yeah. Don't fucking judge me, bitch. I'm fucking. (laughs) But that happens to me too. I'm like, once I start to look decent, I get to to like 250. I'm like, oh, I think I look pretty good. It's like I almost want to like reward myself. And then it goes off the deep and it goes off the deep end. And I end up at. I'll buy buy like 20 chocolates. And I'm like, and my wife's like, well, you got some in. I said, like reward. I have one a day. I have one every time I go in the fucking kitchen. You eat them all. Like last night, I had a box of ice cream. There's a box of six in a packet. I eat one. She goes, you're going to get another one? I said, yeah. She goes, oh, you might as well just eat them all. I said, that's right, because I figure now I've got to eat them. If I just eat them, then they're out of the house. That's what I do. If it's gone. The only problem is then I go back and buy more. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, fuck, I just said last night. I said, now once these chocolates are gone, don't let me fucking buy any more because I just, I can't help it. It's like, during the day, I'm okay because I keep busy. Yeah. But at night time, that's the worst. When she starts it, she'll bring out a bowl of chips. I'm like, I don't want any. Okay, I'll have one. As soon as I get the salt that's and the potato, yeah. I've got the packet. Then I'm like, on the bottom. <laughs> Dude, you're <laughs> a fucking, salt. You're a horrible fucking influence. I tell you that. Uh, I wake up the next day, my eyes are like this. I'm like, if it oh, wasn't for if it wasn't for Evan and Chris being on the circles. I think everybody would be fat. They're the counterbalance to you. I know. Because like even with um, even with Frank there, when I see him going, I go into the hospital and I saw what he had the day before. I'm thinking, I hope nothing bad happens to Frank, and I'm going to get the blame for this because he's eating whole, he's eating a whole cake and McDonald's. Because he'll be at home on the couch going, thanks, Lee. And then next thing you know, I just got Uber eats McDonald's because Lee had it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's true. I know, I know exactly how Frank thinks. He's just like me. He's probably like. (laughs) Well, Lee did it. I might as well just do it. I, I, I kind of want to eat too. And then yeah, it makes I, it okay. But I've always been like that, even with my cheat days when I was dieting. You know how people have a cheat meal? Yeah. I'd be like, once I've had a cheat meal, my mind's like, you know what? You've blown it. You might as well just right. go the whole fucking day. And that's what I do. But I have a, a remedy for that. I would always cheat on my like fifth meal. Well, I, I always would... cheat from second. Breakfast is always good. It's perfect. And after that, it's well, fucking down. Wait a second. So... When Chad used to work with me, Chad used to tell me, he used to send me emails at like three in the morning. So I'd wake up Sunday, mm-hmm. like, is it there? And he'd be like, it would be like, yeah, take a day off. I'd be like, oh, fuck. So I would start in the morning and just crush bad food all day long. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then when I got more responsible with other coaches, they'd be like, have a cheat meal. So I would have the meal at like 10 o'clock at night. That way there's only so much damage I could do. Between, I, like, couldn't, I, couldn't get, I used to get up when I had my cheat days. I'd go to the firehouse, it would be somewhat healthy, you know, the blueberry pancakes and that. Yeah. But then I'd come home and I'd do 45 minutes on the stepper. But then I'd go out to Jerry's Deli and eat hamburgers, come home and do 45. So end of the day, I'd done cardio five times. After every cheat meal, I'd go home and do an hour or 45 minutes of cardio. So the next day, I'd wake up like, oh, fuck, I'm tired. <laughs> You're still treaded. No problem. Yeah, but yeah. Holy yeah, fuck, I'm, I'm just saying now, that's why I just eat bad, but then I go and I, but at the moment, I'm just trying to get, I think I've got four more chocolates left in the fridge, but I just got to get rid of them. I'm saying, I got to stop this shit. And it's weird because, as I said, I don't have an addictive personality when it came to drinking or the drugs, I can stop. I know. But I reckon sugar is the worst fucking drug out there. It is. <laughs> a thousand percent. When I have a cheat oh. meal, listen, when I have a cheat meal, the next morning I wake up and the first thing on my mind is sugar. I actually, mm-hmm. like, like the day after a cheat meal is the hardest day for me. Oh yeah. If, if exactly. I get if I get if I get through that day, then I'm smooth sailing mm-hmm. the, rest, the rest of the week, right? So yeah. and I'm the same. I was like that before even these chocolates came on sale because I'm the type I could go weeks without it. 
Yeah. And if someone goes, have a bit, I'm like, no, because I know as soon as I taste it, I said, it's like probably a heroin addict or something where yeah. you could be clean forever. As soon as you have that one shot again, you're, you're gone. And like I said, if I don't have it, I'm fine. But the second yeah. I taste it, I'm like, fuck, now I need more. And I go looking for it. It's like, <laughs> I've been going through cupboards, finding chocolate that's been there for two years and I didn't know I was there. I'm getting it out. I under, it's like, oh, it looks a bit white. Let me <laughs> try it. Oh, it's okay still. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but it tastes like shit, but I'll eat it because it's all I got that's in the right. house. <laughs> I know, I know the feeling. Uh, yeah. I, I just, and I got to stop doing it because, like, at the point I said, doing boxing yesterday, just that extra six kilos, I'm like, Oh, this is fucking murder. That's like fucking. Lee. Like I said, in the, in the gym, you wouldn't notice it, but doing that, I'm like, fuck. I thought this podcast was going to be inspiring to the young bodybuilders out there <laughs> listening. And all we've done. Now, now, now they're all going to be sitting out there with their cocks tied to a coffee table doing coke, eating chocolate, going, fucking Lee Priest. Woo! <laughs> you know what? Hey, Bob, come over here. I know you have me, mate, but just suck me off for a minute. At least it's okay. Dude, this has been the opposite of what we were supposed to do. You're supposed to be. Sorry about that. I'm like, you're the icon. Let's start again. Let's start again. Well, good morning. Good morning, Ford. How are you? I'm glad you asked me that question. When I do biceps, I like to do six sets. No, this is what people want. Hey, listen. (laughs) People want the real shit. This is the real shit. I appreciate you coming on, Lee. Uh, you have <laughs> story of stories of stories upon stories. It's crazy. Um, uh, I have to get half of them, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> but no, we'll do, we'll do it again. You have a lot of uh, along with the stories, you have a lot of good insight on shit. So I I appreciate uh, I you coming on. I think the, the cocaine I did that time might have affected my brain. That's what I'm yeah. blaming it on. <laughs> I mean, fuck. There's a lot of things that could have affected your brain. Holy shit! Well, like I said, waiting, waiting to do the pod because I normally do cardio early, but I took the wife to work. That's why I said we can do the podcast a bit earlier. I went on the circles and did some calisthenics aerobics. So if anyone wants to see Lee doing aerobics, waiting to come on the podcast this morning, you join, have to go on the... <laughs> join Telegram. And, and, check that's, it out. and that's me not on. And that's me not on drugs. <laughs> I know. That's why when people sometimes say to me, Lee, are you on drugs? I'm like. Trust me, if I was, you'd fucking know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be sitting here naked, covered in lube. <laughs> You're fucking nuts. All right, listen. So we went way over, but it's okay because I think people are going to love it. Um, thank you very much for the time, man. It's been great. Oh, thank you. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and like the video. And if you get a chance, check out the description for all the different links to all the different places you can find Hostile and myself. And lastly, check out Hostile.com for our new line of supplements and all of our apparel and gear. Thanks again for watching.